This is a Foobar Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on Foobar Radio. <coughs> uh, good mid dudes. Mid dudes. Yeah, we we are mid dudes. We are mid dudes. Uh, mid dudes. Mid dudes. That's the song. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a work in progress. Mid dudes. <laughs> That's fan club. So, so uh, hello. My name is Nick Helm. And my name is Nathaniel Metcalf. And you're listening to Nick and Matt's M- Metcalf's fan club. club. Um, I, I just sorry to throw in that Metcalf curveball at you. Uh, I just think I'm probably slightly better known than you, uh, and I can get away with just being Nick. Checking. I think people know Nick. Okay. Like might, Madonna. Yeah, like Madonna or yeah. um, Prince Philip. <laughs> uh, I call him Philip. And <laughs> um, oh, what a lovely day! Isn't it warm? It is warm sweaty, though, isn't it? Fucking it is hot, in the, hot, hot in the city tonight. Uh, <laughs> who is it? Who is it? Hot in the city tonight. I yeah, don't know. it's very idle. Is it? I think it is. Yes, it is. It yeah, is. It yes, is. it is. Um, so we've got a jam-packed uh, episode this Oof. week. Oh, we've got so much. Um, uh, so much, much content. So much content. It seems uh, it seems silly to uh, put any content in the first half hour. <laughs> so we won't. We won't we've done a minute it. and a half and we've got straight into it. Straight into... Straight into... The show. Straight into the show. Did you watch the BAFTAs last week? I did watch the BAFTAs last week. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, you, did you watch the BAFTA last week? I did. Did you enjoy uh, I didn't Joanne? watch it. Oh, did you not? I didn't watch it. Uh, well, Some I, of, I don't know, wrote, wrote Joanna Lumley's uh, script. It was something else. Yes, but that's. Uh, but my friend Christine Rose, who is a comedy writer, pointed out that uh, it's not the writer that has forced Joanna Lumley to say the thing. The writer is very low down on the, yeah, yeah, on the, pecking, on the pecking order. Uh, it's Joanna Lumley has said, yeah, I'll do that. The director of the show has said, yeah, that's good. Everyone, yes. there's, there's, the writer has given them, I would say, for those opening monologues, uh, a selection of maybe a hundred jokes. And, and they've, gone, they've gone that one. I'll give you an example. Nick. And I would say that, uh, that, 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 one, that the writer would sometimes be like, no, not that one. Like they'd be mortified. Yeah. But they're, they're out of their hands by that point. I didn't see, I didn't see it. I, what I did do was I opened it up on a YouTube tab. And uh, it was, uh, and I never got around to watching it yesterday. There was a bit where they said, coming up to present an award, we've got one of the stars of the new superhero Netflix series, The Umbrella Academy. I wonder what their special powers are. Keeping the rain off you. <laughs> and it was just like cutting to audience members who were just kind of like going, oh. Like, it's just like it felt, you felt wounded. You were going like... Oh, no. Fair enough, though. I mean, what else are they going to do? Um, I wonder what they're good at. Um, uh, 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 get, get, getting lost in a pub. <laughs> yeah? I, I found, I'll tell you what, I found, a, I found an umbrella. I got it from TK Maxx, and yeah. it was a rainy day, and I needed an umbrella, and I bought one. I think it was seven ninety nine, and it had a button. I'll tell, oh, tell you what I was a fan of. Uh, <laughs> make it relevant. <laughs> Relevant. Um, uh, and it has a button, and then the action. The whole umbrella opens. Yeah, the action of the umbrella opening was absolutely gorgeous. Oh, it was just fucking so fucking satisfying. Mm. The handle was sort of like a um, 
uh, a matte finished uh, it wasn't quite rubbery but it was kind of like it was nice to the touch mm-hmm. you could get a good grip on it um, the it was like it wasn't a, a, a retractable umbrella it was just a full length umbrella mm-hmm. like a walking cane so when uh, it's a parasol it's very good for seven ninety nine. Uh the well it's TK Maxx isn't it oh. um, that's what I used to call Tom Kerridge but um, he's okay. lost a lot of weight and um <laughs> Uh, the other thing was that uh, he had uh, the uh, uh, it had the colours that you'd have of like uh, what was the what's the name of that bank that has the coloured umbrellas? I know exactly what you mean. What is that? Is that Wilford Bradford and Brimley? And Bradford and Brimley. <laughs> Wilford and Brimley. <laughs> Wilford and Brimley. Yeah, yeah. Uh, w- Brimley. Br- br- no, you know Wilford Brimley. It's the same age as Brad Pitt. All right, mate. All right, mate. All right, mate. All right, mate. You know, you know Wilford Brimley. He was the same age as uh, Brad Pitt when they were both born. <laughs> All right, mate. We get, we get it. We get it. He's probably a very heavy, probably a very heavy drinker. I watched um, the film. I haven't finished my story, mate. <laughs> Do you know what we've stopped doing? Listening to each other. So I'm just going to turn your mic down while I finish this story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Bradford and Bingley. But it was like a pastel version of the Bradford and Bingley umbrella. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, it was pissing it down that day, I remember. And uh, hang on a minute. It's pissing it down that day, I remember. Uh, And me and... and, uh, the kid from Uncle uh, decided to get out of the rain and go and see Bohemian Rhapsody. I'd spent the whole morning boasting about my new umbrella and showing off, and I even let him have a go on it. Press the button. Press the button. Open. He must have been excited, didn't he? Oh, he loved it. He loved it. He loved it. I mean, what else is a what else is a sixteen-year-old boy going to do? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, we went to see Bohemian Rhapsody, and I loved that film. Uh, I don't think it's a good film by any stretch of the imagination, but it is an enjoyable film. Does it deserve Best Picture Oscar? Yes. And <laughs> Does it? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I, I haven't I haven't read any newspapers or uh, any websites in a long time, but I think uh, Brian Singer deserves a bit of recognition. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> all, all, all the best to him. <laughs> So fucking hell. Um, So uh, uh, in all the excitement of uh, seeing uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and uh, some of my heroes brought to life on the big screen. The kid from Jurassic Park. The kid from Jurassic Park (laughs) brought to life yet again. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, I left the... Well, end of story. I left the umbrella in the cinema. Oh. I didn't even notice it at the time. Furious. Furious I was. Um, and And I'm... Embarrassed to say, I took it out on that kid. <laughs> so, um, how, are you, how, uh, what you've been, a, what have you been a fan of this week? Well, I was about to say, I don't know. It, it, I mean, now it's. What were you going to say? It was when an you aside. Were, when it was an in, aside rather than a point. When you were interrupting me earlier, what it, were yeah, you going to exactly, say? Yeah, exactly. Because I was interrupting because it was an aside rather than a good <laughs> point. I was about to say I watched the film Moneyball yesterday. Oh yeah. I quite like it, but I think Brad Pitt sometimes in films where he's playing like a normal person, mm. and I've noticed this. I think Brad Pitt pulls a face in films where he's meant to be like a normal, not especially good-looking person. I think he does <laughs> the thing where he sort of he juts out his bottom lip, and he does this thing where it's like it's like in his head he's going, "Ah, oh, I need to not look like incredibly handsome." 
So I'm going to do a little thing. And it's like, I think you do this in lots of films where you're trying to be a bit more everyman-y. And he sort of juts out his bottom lip and he sort of does this kind of, sort of like, face like that. Yeah, I've noticed that. Now you yeah. mention it. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. And I wonder if consciously or unconsciously he's going, well, it's kind of ridiculous to be this sort of everyman bloke. Because everyone would just be like, it's Brad Pitt. <laughs> um, um, and it feels like, I wonder if that's the thing he does. I wouldn't put, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't totally discredit uh, Brad Pitt's um, attractiveness down to just his looks. It's probably also down to how successful he is and how mm. much money he's got. Mm. So maybe if he uh, pretended not only to be ugly, but also uh, a poor, uh, <laughs> a poor <laughs> lazy man, then maybe that would help his performance. I find that offensive. Oh, let's give Christian Bale an Oscar. He was fat for one film. Mm. Give me an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know as well. Like I think the funny thing Give about me an Oscar. Vices. When you see it, you go, oh, look at him. He looks so different, doesn't he? And then you go, but then you think, I mean, he doesn't look much like Dick Cheney, though, does he? He's, un he's, unrecogniz <laughs> he's unrecognisable. As I mean, Dick Cheney. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't know. Yeah. You go, who the hell is that? But oddly, yeah, you're not going, Dick Cheney. Yeah. Yeah, really weird. <laughs> Um, it's like that film um, uh, uh, Foxcatcher that came out a few years ago and you had Steve Carell and um, what's the fella called uh, Dancer Magic Mike mm. what's he called that fella mm. you know what I mean uh, Channing Tatum Channing Tatum and they're wearing like prosthetics I've seen Magic Mike uh, 37 times have you mm. my favourite film <laughs> well I've not got all the way through it <laughs> <laughs> but you don't know, like, it's based on real people, but they're not, like, famous people, right? What, Magic so Mike? No. Is it? What? Uh, Foxcatcher. Oh, Foxcatcher. Famous people. It's a famous case, isn't it? Is or it? it was made famous by the film. I've not seen the film. It seems, feel, it seems weird that they wear prosthetics, but it's like you wouldn't know what those people look like anyway, Yeah, but right? they're wearing prosthetics so that you're not thinking, oh, look, it's Channing Tatum. You're thinking, Should oh, look, it's Channing Tatum in prosthetics. With a... Uh, with like a film star in, right? With recognisable people. I think that if you, uh, let's just say you're Channing Tatum and you've given yourself kind of like a broken nose, mm. I think that if I was an actor with a broken nose, I'd find that offensive that it'd taken work away from me. I think that you should only do what you are. Um, uh, which is why I feel very guilty about uh, acting in the sitcom Uncle, because uh, I'm you're not, not one. an uncle. I'm not one. I'll tell you what, I uh, am a big fan of this week. I watched the trailer for Aladdin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Weird, wasn't it? Because, like, I don't know what people's... I mean, I've got no real attachment to Aladdin. No, nah, it's fucking awful. It's one of the worst things that... I don't I, know what you're talking about. I just think, like, sure. I read an article yesterday, right, about... Um, I would say a still image of Will Smith as the genie. Yeah. Yeah? Fine. Right? It, you go, yeah, that's pretty much what I was expecting. Yeah. In, in, in action, in motion, it's, uh, it's a bit of an odd one. Because like, people seem to be like, oh, I can't believe he doesn't look like he does in the cartoon. And you go, I mean, he does. Has people, have people actually said that? Yeah. I think what's, So I read an article about people's wages uh, in the Marvel films, and I think it was something like, for Iron Man 1, Robert Downey Jr. got half a million. Yeah. For Captain America 1, Chris Evans got uh, 750,000, because right. he was slightly... Uh, he'd already done some superhero stuff, mm -hmm. and he was slightly more well-recognised. Uh, for Thor 1, Chris Hemsworth got paid 150000 Wow. Which is, I mean, 
I mean, that's crazy. That's like what you get paid here for show, isn't it? That, I mean, it's but that's crazy. Mm. Um, that's like that's like. Well, I mean, I've never been paid that much for one job, but I haven't but been. Still. I haven't been paid far off that for one job. Right. For something on Dave. Yeah. And you go, that's crazy. That is crazy. That's crazy. You're Thor. I don't think. I think anyway. That, I do find that crazy. And then uh, Scarlett. I think Scarlett Johansson got paid. Is it Johansson or Johansson? I mean, when you replied there, you cut off the beginning of the word. <laughs> No, you've done it again. Just press the button and then count to three and then it's Johansson. Um, Do you know what? When I just realised, because when Natalie does that, I can only go by mouth. I can't I can't. You can't hear, hear her? No. Oh. Is it only going through to Nick's headphones? Oh, that's, How funny. that's a bit unfair. Um, uh, so Scott Johansson... Is it Johansson? It's, it's, it's Johansson. Um, that's what I say whenever I see my favourite band. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper. Johansson. It's weird when you did it. It's weird. I, I'm always mispronouncing the word handsome. So uh, that's what I say every time I uh, see uh, Brad, Brad Pitt. Yeah, not when he's not acting. When he's not acting. When he's not acting like an ugly man. Um, <laughs> it is crazy that that's what he's doing. Um, but um, Scarlett Jones got paid two million, and Brie Larson's just got paid five million for the first Captain Marvel yeah. film. And um, and then, but then for uh, I think the, uh, the second Avengers film, Robert Downey Jr. got paid forty million. Yes. And then for the no for the first Avengers film, he got something like forty million. And for the second Avengers film, Age of Ultron, he got paid eighty million. For Age of Ultron, and that's Disney. Yes, and they've, but they're doing that thing now, aren't they? Because he knows. But, but do you know what I mean? It's just like they've got enough money to pay Robert Downey Jr. eighty million. Yeah. Why does Will Smith look so shit in the Aladdin trailer? Because <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. has got the money. I didn't think he looks. I just thought he looked it fine. Looks right? Awful. I just don't. I don't get what people's issues are. I just no. go, it just looks alright. Like, what do you imagine it's going to look like? It's going to look like that, isn't it? But it would have looked better if they'd have literally just painted Will Smith blue. Right, I suppose. But they've sort of like his body. I know he's meant to be like a puff of smoke, but his body just—it feels like it's sort of like juddering, and his face doesn't feel like it's like. In the right place. In the right place, or, or uh, consistently in the right place. Maybe they filmed it one of those Instagram filters where they've just swapped the head off something else and they put it on. Maybe, but um, I'm just checking that our next guest hasn't worked on this. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so in the week, I went to see. Uh, yeah, I just, I was just, I just think it's weird. But I think all those Disney films are weird. I think. I really hated Beauty and the Beast. I loved, I love. I think Beauty and the Beast is one of my favourite um, Disney films, uh, next to Sleeping Beauty, which I think, in terms of Art Deco, like the the, the style of the animation in Sleeping Beauty is uh, is fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, I really agree. I mean, I think that's it. Like, I think we're talking a lot about that kind of aesthetics of Disney movies. Whereas I really like, like I know you were, you were criticising me for it, but I really like the aesthetic on stuff like. Mm. Atlantis and Hercules. Well, and Hercules was Gerald Scarf. Gerald Scarf. And um, oh, it's based on that. And I, <clears throat> what I like about Hercules is that they made a conscious... It's still recognisably Disney, yeah. but they've made a decision to do something different. Yeah. And I like that. And I can say that the art direction on Atlantis is fine. The film is fucking boring, though. Um, and I would say that. I got, like... They did, like, a... Uh, I got, like, a Happy Meal toy of Atlantis and... Um, 
Yeah. Anyway, that's not an anecdote. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, but uh, uh, it was Milo, and he came with a big book, and what you do is you'd scribble over it with a pencil. And Good, uh, what was it James Garner, wasn't it? James Garner, James Michael, Garner J. Michael J. Fox. Atlantis is uh, but it's such a fucking boring film. Whereas, and but I would say that a lot of Disney films don't really work for me. Mm. I do prefer. I don't understand why they don't just crank out uh, fairy tale films, and they mm. should do them all. Yeah. Um, and they sort of do that, and like Tangled was um, Rapunzel, but I hated Tangled. Yeah, Frozen was the Swan, the, the, white, the, queen? the, the white, the white, the Snow the Queen. The Snow Queen, <clears throat> and um, all sort of based on that. And I was just like, yeah, it's fine. Um, I, I really like Frozen when I saw it, and I wasn't I saw really it, expecting to. I saw it on a ferry, so I think it was kind of like uh, it was, it was, it was judged. You know, I mean, it didn't. I tell you what, it was a film I saw on a ferry once, The Lawnmower Man, and I think because I was in international waters. There was no 15 certificate. Sorry, it was about 10. Yeah, abandoned so, ship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan, of course. Pierce Brosnan, of, our, uh, of course. And, uh, Can we get Pierce Brosnan on? Can we get Pierce Brosnan on? Thank you. Good. Uh, and uh, Jeff Fahey. Jeff Fahey. Uh, who was uh, <laughs> replaced by? Uh, in the sequel? I don't know. Is it Matt Frewer? Oh, is it? That makes sense. Yes. Oh, my God. Matt Frewer. Really quite good at this. Um... Yeah, so I but the Beauty and the Beast film, I just thought was like, well, what's the point? It was the same with the Greatest Showman when I watched the Greatest Showman. It's just like, what's the point in having them all on if you're just going to auto tune the fuck out of every single person that's there? And Hugh Jackman can sing, yeah, but he's, he's auto tuned the fuck out of on the Greatest Showman, and you're just like, it sounds horrible. It sounds horrible. Just get one good take of him singing it, and then uh, composite. His best takes in uh, in a straight line, and then uh, make make. There's already a musical about I'm Barnum, saying. isn't there? Uh, what's it called? Barnum. Uh, There's one, and it was had which a, one's the best? Well, I, I haven't seen. I've seen bits of which Barnum. One, which one's the great, best? Is it The Greatest Showman or is it Barnum? Barnum. Yeah, it's Barnum Barnum. <laughs> that's uh, that's oh, that's just. Sorry, I'm always trying to set you up for something, mate. I know, but I got your ready break one earlier. But that was off air. Oh, that was off air. That one was. Uh, uh, no, let's not bother. Um, <laughs> no, let's not. Uh, from Uncle Andy, love this two-hour laugh fest from Mick Helm. Mick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf. I mean, mine's right. Fan club on Spotify <laughs> is the best thing Mick has done since. <laughs> Keep it light. <laughs> Uh, is that meant to be annoying? <laughs> is that meant to how be many an... stars did that one get? Did my dad write that? Because that's how he used to sign my birthday cards. <laughs> He's a lazy writer. And he just said Mick. And you go, who's Mickey? Who's Mickey? It's a nice one. Uh, Mick Helm. Mick Helm. There he is. Good old Mickey. It's five stars. I don't give a shit. He can fucking stick his five stars down or his... Or she. Down his dick. Um, so, um, uh, and they're spiky. Stars, famously. Um, yeah. but, uh, but, but anyway, the, the Beast thing, you just like go, everything that they've added <laughs> has taken away from the... the and the, the live action beauty. It's, it's ridiculous. The whole thing about Gaston um, being, uh, <clears throat> being a good-looking bully that nobody in town respects. Everyone's sort of like taking the piss out of Gaston behind his back in the live action one. And you go, doesn't that completely under, undermine the point of your, of, of your message? Which is that uh, 
yeah. Belle Beauty, has to leave yeah. town because uh, you're all a bunch of bastards. And then she finds love with the beast who is actually has, is, is pure of heart. Mm. But, um, He's ugly, though, isn't he? <laughs> but look, if, if no one in the village, if no one in the village actually respects Gaston, then why has Belle got a problem? She's yes, part of yeah. she's part of the uh, she's part of the establishment as opposed to part of the, the minority. Mm. So yeah, that does make sense. I just think it's abs- it, but and that's like just one change that they made, which fundamentally just unravels the rest of the film. And you go, well, what's the point in this? It was better. It was much better than the animated film. Anyway, um, I don't really like these. Uh, I like the Jungle Book and the live action one. Yeah, I did. And I didn't expect to. And but what's the point in doing a live action Lion King? Hmm. I think it's that. not Lion King. It's it's still animated. Yeah, it's still going to be the same, really. It's, it's just going to be computer generated rather than. It's, it's I, I mean, live action Lion King. What's live? What's live? Have you gone to the Sahara and you filmed the plains of Africa? And what, what's what's live about it? Hmm. The Savannah. Is that America? I, I don't know. know my deserts. Uh, but tell you what, I do know. 1984 Ghostbusters. <laughs> So, <laughs> go on. This is a movie. What is it? There? No, no, no. I don't want to do one of them. We've got very little time. So, Happy Death Day to you this week uh, was one of the screenings. Uh, oh, yes. I, to some, I really love those films. It's really weird. I watched it. I watched the first one on. Um, it was like on Sky or something. And I watched the first one uh, and I literally. Um, yeah, I, there was nothing else on. And I couldn't think of anything. You know, do you know what I mean? It was just like, oh, God, we've been scrolling through Netflix for two hours and now it's just like well let's just watch this neither of us have seen this and in actual fact it's really like it's a lot of fun I wouldn't say it's like hmm I would say that it's not a kids film and it's not a grown up film but it's kind of like that teenage it's it's really great for like and the tone of it is really great it's sort of like funny and it's kind of like got some thrills in it and it's a bit scary but it's not really so it's not even sort of Final Destination-y or that or similar to that not really but basically Happy Death Day is basically a slasher version of uh, Groundhog Day okay Uh, and it's about a, a, a college girl that keeps getting murdered and she wakes up every day and she's got to solve the case of who keeps murdering her and then the second one which um, starts off like um, oh they're going to do the exact same thing only with a different character and then it just goes off in a different direction and basically it's a science fiction one okay uh, so it's a, basically they've gone there is sort of like some uh, a few kind of like jump no I wouldn't even say the jump scares but there are some bits where they're kind of like you're, they're quite tense where she's being chased so it's still sort of part slasher but mainly it's a science fiction film and mainly it's a comedy I just really enjoyed it I think the tone that they've got in them is just really kind of you know you you always feel fairly safe do you know what I mean? You don't feel like they're going to turn into hostile mm. or uh, the human centipede. They're just kind of like these quite light, fluffy films that are really entertaining for like the hour and a half that you're watching them, and then you can kind of go out and do something. Anyway, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to, and th- but what I did, oh, I also saw Lego Two in the week, and um, on plus. Oh God! It's just the noisiest film I've ever seen. <laughs> <clears throat> as soon as it starts, it just bombards you with noise and and jokes and about 50% of the jokes don't work uh, and it's just sort of like it's just that this constant bombardment of noise and it I think it costs uh, it costs more to make but it looks cheaper and it feels like a much smaller film than the first one and I was just like I don't know it's, it's funny, weird though I've seen them I've seen them on I've only ever seen them on the small screen I've not seen any of them at the cinema 
and I do wonder watching them if they suffer because I've kind of I find them both I've seen the Batman one and the first Lego movie and I, found them, and I found them yeah fine but I feel like I feel like I'm meant to get more out of it I don't know what I Ninjago like, is so I didn't watch no, that no I haven't seen that and I felt like that was maybe a more straight Lego one. What I didn't understand about the Lego Batman one is that they got Ray Fiennes playing Alfred. Yes. And at one point, Batman fights um, uh, Voldemort out of uh, Harry Potter. Right, yeah. yeah. Why didn't they get Ray the Fiennes to, to do that? There was, surely there was a joke there. Yeah. Where Alfred and uh, Voldemort meet each other. And they've and, got the same voice or something. And it's the same voice. The, yeah. But they didn't do it. And I don't think Voldemort even speaks. And you just like go, oh, that's a shit. I was hoping... Yeah, I was hoping that something, something like that would have. They, 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 it's almost like on small screen, they, they don't really work because it's. I think they can't really do close ups, and it all just feels like often you're watching it, and there's too much on screen. It's like you're trying to pick out what's going on. It's because they're such such small things. I think they're difficult. It to would film. be like watching Ready Player One on a on an airplane. Yes, yeah, it's, it's that like there's too things. much there's too much stuff going on. Uh, maybe, but like. Um, People really love it, and but mm. uh, but I did see it in a in a in a cinema that had a lot of kids in, and nobody laughed. Right, oh, that's the whole film. So I don't know. I just I was sort of disappointed. But what I did find really odd was that it was directed by uh, the guy that directed *Juice Bigelow Male Gigolo*. <laughs> so I only watched it the other week, and then at the end, his name came up on the credits. So I was like, "Hang on a minute, that's the same guy." And I had to look it up, and I was like, oh, "That's it's mental." But he's got sort of like a background in animation as well. But um. Yeah, it was sort of. It was. I, I wouldn't say I was disappointed because I didn't really love the the, the first one or the Batman one, but um, but it was a bit like oh, mm. I was bored. Do you know what? I was yeah. bored all the way through it. But then at the end of it, it's not for me, and I just felt old. Sure. I think if you're a parent, it's great it's because a it's because it? it's a, it's a cut above. Uh, I would say the majority of animated films for kids, mm-hmm. and then if you're a kid, you're going to love it. Mm. So it's basically everyone wins in that scenario. But if you're a uh, 38-year-old man who's uh, feeling pretty lonely that day and has just gone to the cinema to hide from the weather, <laughs> then it might not be everything you didn't that you didn't even wished. have an umbrella. You often you return to the <clears> cinema, <throat> don't you, every week, hoping to find that same umbrella. Yeah. Um, and don't the, even like films. And the other question I wanted to know was, um, Do you, uh, is there a way of working out the exact date a film was aired on terrestrial TV from the 90s. I reckon if you've got some... I reckon there's a way to do it. Uh, if The BBC has that genome thing, don't yes, they? Yes, but <clears throat> I'm not convinced it was on BBC. Okay. So the film was Runaway Train, starring oh, yeah. John Voight, Rod Steiger and Eric Rebecca Roberts. De Mornay. Oh, uh, not Rod Steiger. <laughs> oh, uh, Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's John Foy, Eric Roberts, Rebecca De Mornay. Written, um, I think, by Akira Kurosawa. Uh, it's based on an idea by Akira right, Kurosawa. Yeah. Um, and I don't really remember much about the film, but I do remember that it was on TV on a very special day. And um, if I could work out the date it was on TV, then I could work out... What that special day was? I could work out the exact day. Of uh, that special day, and the, on the BBC, the earliest it goes is like two thousand and two, I think, or maybe nineteen ninety nine. But that's a bit too late. It was definitely ninety three, ninety four. I was in year nine at school, so I would have been. Hmm. I would have been. What's year nine? So, uh, so you'd be about fourteen. Year seven is eleven. Yeah, twelve. 11. I'd have been thirteen or fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. 
Uh, but, I, but it'd be nice so that I could celebrate that day every year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I bet there is a way. Uh, yeah. Write in. Send us an email. But if, you, if anyone can work out, I, I think, so it was Runaway Train. It mm. was possible. So the BBC archives go back to 2002, which makes mm. me think that maybe they bought the rights to Runaway Train. And it Runaway was a, Train strikes me as more of a BBC film in a kind of when they have their late movies on. Like a sort of an eleven o'clock. I think it was. I don't know, but it was. I don't think it was eleven o'clock. I think it was earlier than that. I think it okay. was maybe. And so someone has suggested that maybe it was the nine o'clock, and then um, uh, ITV on IT, by the ITV news. and then news at ten. BBC One Scotland. No, I was in England at the time. Um, so uh, yeah. So if anyone can help, I'm really trying to work out what the date was um, way back then. There know, must be the a runaway way. train or something. I bet there is. I mean, someone will know. Um, possibly. 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 Maybe people remember it. So you know, maybe people remember it. Uh, Rachel uh, tweeted me and said, uh, "I I remember it being on after Dame Edna once." So maybe I think I think collectively, if we all put our brains together, I think I'm uh, maybe let me let me do something interesting. I, I know people that the kind of people I think would know that kind of. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's within a window, and they wouldn't have shown it every week. Do you know what I mean? Of course, yeah. So it would have be been like, like once, uh, once a year, once in a two-year period, I would say, and I could pr- probably uh, work it out from there. Mm. Terrestrial TV. Maybe ninety-three is a bit early. Maybe it would be ninety-four, ninety-five. Okay. Mm. Eager to know. Runaway train. Runaway train. Eager to know. Eager to know that date. Yeah. 1994, 1995, when Runaway Train was on. I think it was ITV. Okay. Could it be BBC? Not saying it wasn't. Not saying it wasn't. Unlikely to be Channel 4 for that era. It wouldn't be Channel 4. I think, it was, I think it was a bit, a bit... It wasn't necessarily a mainstream hit, no. but it's, it's, it's in the realm. And Action, it's, it's in the action era. Maybe it's because it's got a train on it, but it's in the sort of same realm that Narrow Margin was on, where it's not a big hit, but it's an ITV. Or the sure. Presidio. Yes. Let's watch the bloody Presidio. Yeah. Well, Channel 4 at the time would have been... Uh, it, it was uh, all sponsored by Stella Artois, reassuringly expensive, and having... It was probably those kind of films, or films made by Channel 4 themselves. Art house films. Or a bit more art house. A bit more art house films. Channel 4. Uh, Not these days. Anything goes. They're not on Channel 4. Dicks Out. Pete with Dicks Out, didn't they? On Channel 4. God, I watched that. What's that show called? Naked Attraction. Naked Attraction. Oh, my God. It's like the end of of civilization, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, I just couldn't believe that that was a show. I watched it for the first time the other week. I couldn't believe it. it I can't believe it's a show that's like on more than once ever. Do you know what I mean? It's like that one with Keith Chegwin. It's like we're, we're, we're trying it. We're t- trying yeah. this out. Trying it out. And then trying out a new go, format. Oh no! And they go, "We'll never do it again. Don't worry about it." We're it's trying on it every week. We're trying out a new format. She's trying out a new foreskin. Stuff like that. You know, we're just uh, that's that's the way. Aha, aha. <laughs> Joe likes it. So, um, <laughs> so what are we doing? Uh, right, we'll, we'll play a song. We, we, we've got to keep it on. T- we didn't do the yeah. reviews, did we? We've no. got time for one quick review. Uh, where are they? That's what I want to know. Uh, yeah, tell your friends, subscribe. Uh, what's the first rule of fan club? Uh, tell your friends, tell your friends about, about fan, fan club. club. What's the second rule about fan club? Please, Please tell for the love of God. God. Tell your friends. Uh, we've had some fan art as well this week, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's on my Twitter feed, but we haven't got time for any of this to, this week. Um, I enjoy this lot. Uh, a quite enjoyable listen. Quite an, enjo- quite an enjoyable listen. Cubicle one. Uh, you got the first two letters of that right. Mm. 
see you. Yeah. Cunt. Yeah. So two stars. Two, two out of five stars. I enjoy this light-hearted conversation between two genuine friends. They mostly come across as entertaining guys. What? Well, that shows just how good we are yeah. at radio, isn't it? Yes. Between two genuine <laughs> friends. It comes across like that, doesn't it, guys? <laughs> <laughs> they mostly come across as entertaining guys. Mostly. Mostly. Uh, Nathaniel Metcalf and Nicholas Helm. You spelt my name wrong there for a start. You, so that's you how can. you write Nicholas Cage, isn't it? That's how you write Nicholas Cage. But uh, I think you'll find that I've got an H in my name and the H stands for here. And, and Helm. Helm. Uh, Nathaniel Metcalf and Nicholas Helm are lovely gentlemen who keep it light and positive. Oh, fuck off. Go fuck yourself. My name's got an L in it Good as well. work. Five stars. Can L you get Idris Elba on the show, please? Yeah, of course. It'll, it'll be on next week. <laughs> right? That's what we want. We want five stars to the point and maybe a suggestion here. Uh, can we get Idris Elba on? They've said Elbow. And, uh, Elbow. I think that's a, uh, that's a, a joke. joke. That's a joke from before someone was talking Idris about. Idris Elba next week. Pierce Brosnan week after. Stay tuned, guys. Uh, Idris Elba next week Pierce Brosnan uh, the week after the week after that because in between then we've got Joey Page that's right that's right uh, we've managed to get his we've managed to get Joey uh, we've managed to book Joey Page uh, if you don't know who Joey Page is he's another FUBAR host he's another FUBAR back host back to Bob Brosnan uh, and then we go back to Brosnan uh, is he hosting a show on FUBAR no Not I'm yet. a fan five stars Victor Wu love the rants and the rambles in-depth film knowledge helm at his natural best not even mentioned Tell you, Not what, tell you what, as it should be, really. <laughs> you can stay, Victor Wu. I don't know about Victor Wu. Absolutely, absolutely. How you absolutely know uh, And then, very funny podcast. Five stars. Thank you, Ian Morley. If That's that nice is name. indeed your real name, I listen to this podcast while working, while not working, while walking the dogs, while not walking the dogs. He sounds obsessed. Nick and Nathaniel. Basically, as long as you don't uh, listen to the show whilst operating heavy machinery. <laughs> Um, Nick, and Nathaniel, Nick and Nathaniel basically wing, wing it, it for the duration of the recording, and I think that's brilliant. The end result being a really funny podcast that you can nip in and out of listening to, as opposed to a deep, immersive, long podcast. Well, it, I walk in the dark. They say he listens to it all the time. The verging, and then says he dips in and out. Verging on the territory of nagging. Um, while working or walking the dogs or not. Well, yeah, 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 very funny guy, Ian. Uh, I can see why you've got so much fucking time on your hands to write a fucking three paragraph review on iTunes. Five stars. What's that so about? <laughs> I had to question why I was still listening. Oh. Oh, I had to li question <laughs> why I was still listening though last week when I realised I was just <laughs> listening to three blokes deciding what to order for McDonald's. Order it, <laughs> wait for the delivery, and then eat it. Somehow these guys made this very entertaining. Good, that was it. actually my first listen to this podcast, <laughs> and I am now hooked. Well, maybe maybe we've got time for a delivery later on today. Uh, we'll see. Okay, right. Um, I'm going to play a song, and then we're going to bring uh, uh, we're going to bring our first guest on and. Uh, I will see you at the movies. Uh, I should have got the thing lined up before I'd pressed the fucking <laughs> button. Uh, what's the... Oh, what track is it? This one. It's um, fine. No one's noticed yet. Uh, this is... Uh, they only listen in and out. This, in and out anyway. This is uh, in order to help people with the Brexit negotiations. <laughs> Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on Fubar Radio. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and we're back uh, in the studio, uh, and uh, and that was uh, for Britain only by uh, Alice Cooper, and uh, yeah, uh, that's my favourite thing. That's what I like to listen to. Uh, so yeah, we're all very happy about that. Um, so uh, we're joined in the studio now by uh, uh, Van Ling. Hello. 
you are a film director. I am indeed. You've just finished directing a film called Cliffs of Freedom. Yes, my first time out. First feature Is film. Is that your first feature? First feature after 30 years in the business. Yeah, wow. right. Um, so I was, uh, so uh, you started off as a, a special effects supervisor. Visual effects. Visual effects. Uh, I, I started out actually as uh, the creative slash research slash technical assistant to James Cameron. That was literally my credit. What does, what does that mean? What does that break down to? That meant I was essentially his extra RAM. <laughs> um, kind of handling all sorts of different aspects. I did all. I, I was the research assistant on the Abyss, yeah, which meant looking up how fluid breathing works and how naval salvage would work and underwater oil drilling. And so, were you really aliens. working with practical effects? Actually, b a little bit of both. I, I have probably the weirdest story of how to get in, how how I got into the business. Uh, and it happened in 1986. I was a huge fan of Aliens, yeah. uh, you know, shot here in, in lovely UK. Um, and uh, a friend of mine on opening night made me a bet because I do like practical effects and things like that. He challenged me to build a power loader, hmm. the big yellow walking forklift mm -hmm. in the film. And he said, I'm having a, I'm having a party in, in, in my dorm on Halloween. You know, I dare you to build a little model or something like this. And I'm like, oh, okay. And uh, Halloween rolls around, and I walk in with a <laughs> seven-and-a-half-foot costume <laughs> with motorized <laughs> arms and a rotating light. Yeah. And I built this whole thing out of, out of foam core and styrofoam and, and, and wood and, and, you know, paper and string and all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I built it. It was kind of like a backpack with some stilts and things. <laughs> and... Um, that same day when I was building this thing over the course of the, the previous weeks, some of the friends who were helping me were like, you really should show this to Jim Cameron. And I'm like, yeah, right. This, at this time, he had only done it, uh, Terminator and Aliens. Of course, yeah. And he's at 20th Century Fox. And Piranha 2. He'd done Piranha 2. And Piranha 2. Yeah. And Piranha 2. But he had, um, you know, he was completely out of reach, of course. And so naturally, uh, I ended up uh, calling over to where the, their offices were because I just graduated from college and uh, USC film school and had, had nothing else to do. So I was building, building this power loader and stuff just for fun as a Halloween costume. And I had been calling them throughout the period after I graduated saying, hey, you got any jobs? And of course they're like, no, nothing, but call back next month. You know, never talk to anybody, never talk to Jim or anybody because obviously you just get the secretary. But um, so- Was he that easy to get in contact with them? No, he wasn't. That's the whole point. And so, but I had called but his like, production but I mean, office. It, but that easy to sort of like get, get like, you know, when you're like, what is it? A six, degree away six, from Six it. degrees from Kevin yeah. Bacon, where it's kind yeah. of like, that's, but that's incredible. Yeah, well, what happened was uh, on Halloween, I, I called them one more time and said, hey, you know, you have any, have any other production assistant positions? No, nothing. We're not in production or anything yet, but, you know, we'll keep you in mind. Well, I got something to show you. What? A power loader. I go, what, one you wear? I said, yeah, it's Halloween, isn't it? Dead silence for a few, like, a few minutes. And then it was like, we'll leave you a pass to the studio. Come on down. we got to see this. <laughs> so I ended up having to rent a pickup truck and drive <laughs> this stupid Halloween costume down to 20th Century Fox. I, they let me on the lot. I go over there, and my friends who are helping me with this, because it's not exactly one my operation, mm. uh, they're helping me put this thing on in the parking lot. And people came out of the offices and were looking around because this was, you know, only a, a month or two after the movie came out. Yeah. 
and this was 1986, so it wasn't like nobody did this kind of thing. Yeah. And Gail Ann Hurd comes out. No. Nah, nah. the show. <laughs> and she says, this is the best walking resume I've ever seen. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like blown away. And then she says, hang on a moment. She goes back inside, comes out and says, you might as well use this to make it complete. And she hands me Sigourney Weaver's jumpsuit and Reeboks. Oh, no. <laughs> and says, just bring them back with the same dirt on them. And Did they fit? Surprisingly, back then <laughs> I actually could fit in it. But what about the shoes? So, and the shoes too. It was it was amazing. So these were those, those the high top version of the Reeboks. As you well know, right. they had a, they had a deal with Reebok for right. to make those what they called alien stompers. Mm. And the campaign actually never went anywhere because Reebok freaked out. I think that it was an R-rated movie. Right. Uh, so okay. they ended up. What were they expecting? It was, a, yeah. it was a sequel to an R-rated <laughs> movie. Yeah. yeah. But um, so. You know, but these were the real ones, the, the high-top versions, because yes, the yeah, regular yeah. ones were, were shorter. And uh, so I got to go to my friend's party and win the bet wearing Sigourney Weaver's costume. That's incredible. And uh, She was really tall. Well, she is. She was she tall. Is really yeah, tall. She was tall, and, and I was much slimmer <laughs> back then. But um, so that's kind of how that started. And then a couple of weeks later, I get a call. I was living with my parents, w- working on, like, a foam core set for a, one of my friend's student films. Yeah. And I get an answering machine message at my parents' house. Hi, this is Jim Cameron. I heard you built a power loader worthy of note. I'd like to come see it. And so he ended up coming down to my parents' house. No. <laughs> okay, in his Corvette, black Corvette. And he, he came in and saw me working on my friend's student film. And he gets down on the floor with me and says, hey, you know how to cut this kind of thing over? And he, because he comes from Roger Corman. Right. right. So he knows and totally understands and respects this whole do-it-yourself kind of thing. Yeah. And that's how I first met Jim Cameron. And when he found out that I was, you know, an honor student at, at SC when I was there, and and I loved, I loved doing research, and I was interested in obviously visual effects and all sorts of things. You know, he said, "I'm starting another film called The Abyss, and y- would you like to be my researcher?" Yeah. And I ended up being his research. Then I ended up being his. Um, his, when I say technical assistant, that part of it was, you know, I want to stop using a typewriter and, and get a computer. What, do you, what should you recommend? And I was like, get a Mac, because I had just gotten a Macintosh right. back in 1986. It was only two years after the famous Apple 1984 yeah. thing. Right. And uh, so, you know, I became his computer guy as well as his researcher, and then... You were the guy that told him to get a Mac? Yeah. <laughs> back in the day, yes. Back in the day. And so... So the world could have taken a slightly different turn if you uh, hadn't been there, maybe. <laughs> maybe. So does that mean a Terminator is going to be coming after me? I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. But uh, so I kind of worked with him for eight years on that. I was a creative supervisor on Terminator 2. I mean, the well. list of films that, that you've worked on is yeah. basically my childhood. It's <laughs> like the best Terminator 2, Congo, Twister, uh, The Relic, Dante's Peak, Titanic, Starship Troopers, which is one of my all-time favorite films of all time ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you've worked with Paul Verhoeven. I've worked with Verhoeven. What's he like? He's he's a he's a manic guy, and he's really <laughs> smart. He's also really engaged. You know, have you ever seen any of the outtakes of him on Starship Troopers being one of the bugs? Right. You know, <laughs> I saw um, him do a talk at the BFI once. Yeah. He's like really passionate and um, excitable. Yeah, it's interesting. I got a. I, I guess we were referred to. We had a company. My producing partner Casey Cannon I, she was the producer uh, of, uh, 
of the uh, Cl of Close of Freedom. Mm -hmm. um, she and I have been working together for almost thirty years, and uh, we had a company called Band <coughs> on the Ranch. Uh, it was her company, uh, and we did visual effects and and screen graphics, meaning a lot of you know the computer screens you see in movies. All right, uh, yes, we yeah. did a lot. That's why you saw Congo and Twister and the Relic and mm -hmm. all these kind of shows on there. Um, but um, I think we got the Starship Troopers gig because uh, Paul Verhoeven was looking for people to to replace the people who they had doing screen graphics because he thought they were boring. They were very military, very dry. And they wanted something more kind of brightly colored to go mm -hmm. with that universe. Well, I think the, sort of the ones you right. see in the Alien yeah. movies are particularly yeah. good because they have a real... Yeah, uh, consistent sort of sense of design and things, yeah, right? They yeah. really do. I'm not sure who did those, but they did a fantastic job on those. You know, there's this wonderful book I found uh, that is about typography right. in science fiction. Movies. Yes. Uh, David Addy, I think, wrote that. Right, and I think yeah. I've seen something of it, and, yeah. And he talks about all the, you know, how many times people are using Euro-style font and, yeah. the, you know, these Futura font and all of these. And they show, like, a lot of the, the graphics and stuff from Alien and all these other different shows. And I've got a couple, and there's like one montage page of a bunch of uses of Euro style. And I've got a couple of my images in there from oh, Star Trek nice. Troopers. So. How do you mean? Do you mean like, <laughs> like when, when it's saying like Ellen Ripley and it's got like the graphic yes, behind exactly. her? And yeah. Right, yeah, and it's got yeah. kind of like her date of birth and all of that. Yeah. And you're talking and you're talk about the font that the they font use for that. The font they use for all the signage. You know, all, oh, the, right, all yeah. the, you know, the different things. Like what, in Starship Troopers, we're talking about the fonts for Know Your Foe. And, mm. and you know, I did all the FedNet stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all the fonts that we use for those things, it's all fascinating stuff. And yeah. if, you, if, you're, if you're really a geek, you will go through Starship Troopers with a fine-tooth comb and try to read every one of those computer <laughs> screens. There are, like, listings of cadets where all the names are the names of all the characters from... John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, really? Or other things like that. I mean, I was, I was kind of... That is the kind of person out. I am, I think, because as soon as you go, the typography on screens in science <laughs> Yes, please. I mean, A yeah. book on that. Sounds oh, weird. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I do you, believe I have read that book. If you, really, <laughs> if you really want to find a fun Easter egg, it's one of the screens I did for a movie called Soldier. Yeah. Oh, yes. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a, there's a, a graphic screen you see in the movie in the middle where he's between wars. And so he's basically just sitting in a bear, you know, sitting there. And they, we do this graphic transition where you see it, it had all these different things. And as you may know, Soldier was kind of, since it was written by David Peoples, mm. who was one of the writers of Blade Runner, yeah. mm -hmm. they tried to say that that Soldier took it's place in the universe of Blade universe. Runner, which is why if you look closely, you'll see a spinner yeah. in, ah. in that movie. I mean. And what's funny <laughs> is, is that the garbage ships... A spinner for people listening at home are the flying cars in Blade Runner. There you go. <laughs> Anybody who's listening at home to this podcast who doesn't know that... Uh, yeah. I mean, actually, it's probably yeah. fine. Yeah. So, um, but there was a graphic screen in this movie where they, the producers actually told me, oh, you know... Because we want to tie, uh, really tie in the Blade Runner connection, we want you to put as some of the campaigns that his character, the soldier character that he plays, uh, has fought in, are like the Battle of Tannhauser Gate, and you know, so referring to some of the things that Rutger Hauer talks about in yeah. in his speech at the end of the of Blade Runner. So I put those in there, and then I said, well, why don't we go further? And, you know, I put down some, like, the weapons proficiencies that his character has. Includes an M41A pulse rifle. Right. For, for, for the Aliens fans out <laughs> there. And uh, a Ludium Q36 explosive <laughs> space modulator. For those of you who are uh, Mar Marvin the Martian fans from Bugs Bunny. <laughs> That's right. And then I put a bunch of commendations that th his character had supposedly gotten. 
and they were all named after characters that Kurt Russell played in other movies. I watched a YouTube video that went through all of that stuff, and, uh, and you're the guy that did it. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, there's some weird, so there's some weird stuff. I love doing that. I, I'm, I was like really big on Easter eggs, and um, I don't know if your, your, um, your information uh, covers this, but I was also involved in a lot of home entertainment stuff for a lot of these movies. Meaning, I produced the Abyss Special Edition, uh, both the movie and the laser disc, and then the right. DVD. Right. And I did the same for Terminator 2. And uh, I love putting Easter eggs on the discs that I produce. All the, the Star Wars DVDs for the first six minutes. As in, when you have to like go right, right click on something, yeah. and then you find like a menu screen. A menu screen. Things. Like when, uh, I think, yeah. was it the teaser trailer for Terminator when Arnold Schwarzenegger's in a factory? That was one of the, that was a, that was a DVD extra on mm. one of the discs. Yeah, that was a DVD extra, but well, it was having a No, I mean, yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was an Easter egg, wasn't it? There was a, there was a bunch of Easter eggs. I mean, there's an entire version of the film on the DVD that is, uh, Different. It already has two versions. On the, there's the theatrical version and the special edition. Yeah. We did an extended special edition in which we actually put the alternate ending with old Sarah Connor, which you may have heard of on there. Yes, yes, yes. So, I mean, there's... What's it? What? 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 <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> you have to go find there's the a DVD. Is it a DVD or Blu-ray? DVD. So there's a DVD of Terminator 2 where there's three versions of the film on one disc. Yeah, on yeah it's seamless brash. It's one of the things I did. I, I tried to help pioneer that process. Uh, there's a bunch of us who are producing <laughs> discs in the I'm day. A, I'm hyperventilating. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of st there's a lot of stuff out there to find if you just, if you just look for I it. I remember in the advent of DVDs, though, one of the most disappointing things you could see was when they would just list special features and it would just say interactive DVD menu. You go, yeah. come on, mate. Or trailer. Interactive DVD menu. Trailer. And so what you're saying is, <laughs> exactly. oh, you can either pick between <laughs> yeah. watching the trailer or watching the film. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or watching the menus back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well, that's the thing. I also, one of the things that I did, for better or worse, was I tried to really pioneer the art of doing DVD menus. Um, if you look at the Abyss DVD, mm. um, the menu system is you're inside Deep Core and you're actually moving around from area to area, and every area has different things. And there's like, in the middle of Deep Core, I hid behind a door mm. posters of Jim's other movies. That just uh -huh. sounds like a gag. Oh, it's to put some posters for Jim's other movies. The idea is you could click on them and it would play a trailer for those movies. Oh, that's ah, cool. Nice. So, all sorts of things like that. On the Star Wars DVDs, um, we, uh, you know, they wanted their normal menus, which is you know you have a play a play menu, mm. a main menu, and then a series of uh, scene menus and, and so on like that. And I said, hey, there's so many different worlds in the Star Wars universe. What if I randomized them and did three different sets of menus for every movie so that every time you put in the disc the menus would all be themed to Tatooine one time you put it in the next time you put it in it's Naboo next time you put it in it's you know someplace else Hoth or Hoth <laughs> and we did Hoth we did Dagobah we did Endor Endor we did um, Mustafar we did um, Coruscant because I ended up doing this for all six of the original movies. Mm. You know. Did you match them to the movie? They look like they are right out of the movie. That was one of the things I do. Um, 
and we got materials from ILM because I come from a visual effects background. I knew what to do with those elements. Mm -hmm. um, it's not on the Blu-ray because Blu-ray they decided it's all about functional menus now. It's not about you notice okay, the menus yes, on Blu-rays yeah. are not generally as interesting yeah. or fun as the DVD ones because that's what the limit of the technology. Right. Yes. So we kind of the menu art of menus is only this very specific period of time when DVDs first came out to probably about 2006. Well, that's it, because we were talking about it, we, yeah, we were talking about it together, weren't we, of how like, DVD extras are almost like... I a, love them. It's a thing mm -hmm. which is almost past. It's an era that had this sort of period of like... You have to go on seven YouTube or eight years. and yep. find what yeah. you want there. But I, I really always loved uh, DVD extras. My uh, first, The first Easter egg I ever was found was the one on the X-Men DVD where uh, there's a guy that runs in halfway through a take wearing a... Uh, Halloween style Spider Man outfit. <laughs> oh, yes. But you had to find it. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I just love DVDs. Uh, I, I love DVDs. Well, you should check out some of the ones that I've worked on. Um, I've probably got most of them. The Abyss, actually. I think now people, I don't think, think of it as important as it was. But when it came out, that I remember seeing trailers for that and just thinking it felt like such a game changer of it. It just felt like, I don't know how you've done... Like, I think the first time you'd see actual computer effects done properly and effectively was one of those things. I think The Abyss is a really good example of it, of something where you see it and it's just... It's like your brain suddenly can't quite make out what's happening. Well, see, the, the big challenge of the abyss was it was in one scene, the the uh, pseudopod, as we call it. Other people call the it the, the water weenie. Mm. As they call it. <laughs> and, but it was, here's the challenge of that. I mean, that came straight out of Jim's brain, and it was brilliant. And, and, and we came up with thousands of ways to do it, and the only one that really kind of would work was computer graphics. Mm. Well, what are some of the other ways that you would have tried to have done that? Uh, I talked about um, replacement animation, which is like stop motion animation where you where you replace um, each frame with a different sculpture. Oh so, wow! And, okay, um, that kind of thing has been done before. Craig Reardon did it in, in shows like uh, like Dreamscape. Did you ever see the Dennis Quaid, Christopher Plummer? Oh. Never uh, saw who's it. in our movie. Um, but uh, Dreamscape had uh, Kate Capshaw and. Uh, Dennis Quaid as people who go into people's dreams, no, I don't um, not in a Freddy way, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, to try to to try to unlock a murder mystery or, or whatever, and it was it was quite interesting. That was back in the eighties. You guys should know that movie. I'm I feel like yeah, I, I feel, feel like, like I can yeah. see yeah, so the, the, the they cover. Did a, they did a Snake Man um, thing where they use replacement animation, which meant they to do the transformation. They sculpted like a couple dozen different. Man face to uh, snake face gotcha. thing, and now we do it with computers. But sure. back then, you had to do it a different way. Willow that, was so that's different from something like the yeah. Hammer Draculas, where where yeah. he sort of dies yeah. at the end, oh, and yeah. you see yeah. this sort of slightly diff yeah. different yeah. decomposing. Yeah, that's that's one in which they lock the face down and they shoot him, and then they add a little bit of makeup, and then they take some more footage. Yeah. And they What's add this a film? The Hammer Dracula. Yes. Right, right, this, right. Yeah, this is. Yeah, this is the correct one. Okay, no, I don't think I have seen no, this. No, it's the uh, Indiana Jones-esque poster there. Yes, very so. much so. Anyway, there's, um, so that was one of the things we discussed on how to do it. Somebody came up with the most ridiculous, uh, some of the most ridiculous ideas for trying to do the, uh, the pseudopod. Uh, one of them was to take a sock puppet <laughs> and project, <laughs> you know, scotch light is the material that um, is on road signs that right, reflects yeah, yeah, back the yeah. light really, really strongly. Mm -hmm. Make a make a sock puppet out of Scotch light and project water patterns on it. Wow! Somebody suggested that. 
Another person, actually a, a visual effects person, you know, we were talking to various people, how would you do this kind of thing? They suggested shoot tons of footage of somebody with a fire hose just <laughs> flailing water around, find frames that match and string them together. So we got the most ridiculous wow. I mean, ideas. It's like the Stone Age, isn't yeah, it? When people like, think yeah. about but it. But it's the crazy. ingenuity of throwing shit at one. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, but the ingenuity of just saying, having the, having the gumption to say, yeah, we should just make a sock puppet and mm. do this. I mean, yeah, but I love that. That's the brilliance of it. I mean, even though those those were kind of silly ideas, they they show the sense of of ingenuity and problem solving, attempts and mm. creativity, and that's one of the reasons that I got drawn into doing visual effects and everything, and ultimately it's led to me directing. Even so. when you go back to sort of like the early days of um, ILM when they were trying to do mm -hmm. the, were they doing the sound effects for Star Wars? And mm. uh, they were, they found that if they got a uh, aluminum uh, light bulb. And they, what was the one? With the, they, 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 the ran, they ran a mic. Uh, there was Ben Burt was the yeah, sound yeah, yeah. designer for uh, for Star Wars, and he had found that if you tap guy wires to like radio towers, they would have this <laughs> sound, and that's what became the sound for the for the blasters. Because they weren't making the, them on like yeah. uh, on synthesizers or yeah. stuff yeah. like that. It was just no. like, like they, it was all made practical. It was totally. real. It like was real totally because it feels real because it is real. Mm. The way they did the, uh, the the lightsabers was they they ran a microphone near like an old cathode ray tube TV, mm. Cathay, That's uh, cathode ray tube TV, <laughs> and so it would like give you feedback. Mm. And by moving the moving the the oh. microphone, it would cause this such an iconic sound today so over oh. these years you've been you've always yeah. had harbored dreams to direct your own movies well you learned uh, you learned as you watch especially at the you know learning at the side of someone like Jim Cameron you see you know how how things are done or how you can do it and how much how much you have to bring to it uh, and you know I went for many years kind of learning from all these different people just watching how things are done because I'm, I'm one of those filmmakers who believes that you need to know how everything is done. Mm -hmm. You don't just come in and sort of, you know, bark orders and, and you have to be able to understand how everything fits together and how one piece affects another and that's one of the great things I learned from it because I was in charge as a creative supervisor on Terminator 2 to talk to all the different departments and say, okay, Jim wants this, they want this and, and you have to figure it out because each meeting you go into with a department head and you know your director's there and he's saying okay I want this done this way and this way and they all understand exactly what he wants until they talk to the next department and the next department well he told us this well no he told us this and then they're all confused on what to do and part of my job was to say actually he, he was consistent between them what he means is this works with this this way so I learned so much from him and the films that I worked on with him uh, and all these other filmmakers on how things work, how things don't work, how things, how communication. So I, I kind of had the opportunity with Cliffs of Freedom to try to take all the things I learned and try to see if mm -hmm. I could do it. And the, the added challenge was, as you can see from my, my resume, I have a lot of science fiction, visual effects, and other kinds of shows. So, of course, doesn't it make perfect sense that I, my first directorial feature should be a historical period remnant. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what, I, what thought. I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the important thing about filmmaking. It doesn't matter if you're making a, a, a visual effects film or a <coughs> period drama or or a, any a thriller, an action film. You have to tell a compelling story with engaging characters, and that's the thing. One, the most important takeaway you learn from someone like Jim Cameron. He he's not just 
I'm going to create things you've never seen before, and it's going to be all explosions, and you're going to be wowed visually. Yeah. You have to care about the damn characters. Well, yeah. I and mean, the difference between the first two Terminators yeah. and, the, and the others. Yeah. So tell us about your new film. Can I just ask yeah. a real quick oh, question yeah. about um, what's it like uh, working with uh, Christopher Plummer? He's my Captain Von Trapp is my hero. <laughs> he was great. He was amazing. Um, you never know. I was so intimidated, you know, but he's, he's, he puts you at ease. He's really funny. You know, and he is very engaged in, in the process. You know, um, of course there's Captain Von Trapp, but some people remember him as the general in Star Trek VI. Of course, <laughs> Some yeah. people remember him, of course, from uh, Beginners, for which he won the Oscar. He was the Duke you know, of Wellington in Waterloo. Yeah. So he's, yeah, he's an uh, amazing guy. He's really nice, really personable. And uh, it was an honor to work with him. We've mm -hmm. also got yeah. Billy Zane in the film. Yeah, yeah. Billy Zane. Did yeah. you know him from Titanic? Was he, I had, you I had met friends him before, for a while? I had met him before on Titanic. But, uh, and, and one of the reasons I think Billy wanted to do the show is because he's Greek. And right. the stories about the, the War of Greek Independence, uh, or takes place during the, the dawn of the Greek War of Independence. So, um, and uh, he was understandably lamenting the fact that, uh, yep, he's playing a villain. <laughs> <in this one. laughs> um, but he's really good at it. And these, so, it's been released yeah. here, isn't it, in the anniversary of the Greek Independence Day? Yes, it's going to be uh, released around the time of that. We're, we're you know, building the campaign around, uh, around that because this was a huge piece of uh, history for the Greek culture, mm -hmm. and most people don't know about it. I certainly didn't when mm. we started this, so it was a really a fascinating It trailer. looks gorgeous, the trailer. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've mm. only given a trailer to see, but it looks gorgeous. Well, um. hopefully you'll enjoy it. It was, uh, it was really a, a labor of love for... Uh, the people who worked on it and uh it, it was kind of made possible by uh, a woman named marianne petropolis she marianne metropolis was somebody who came up with this story idea that she wanted to do and, but she wasn't in the movie business and she found casey my producing partner and, we, she, and casey brought me in and that's how this thing kind of came about she had been trying to make this film for over a decade and uh, we were the ones who were fortunate enough to be able to figure out how to make it happen. And uh, so hopefully, you know, everything Marianne wanted it to be is on the screen. And I got my, my first directorial debut, so, yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, and Casey her first producerial. So we're, you know, we're really proud of what we were able to achieve on this movie <coughs> um, under, uh, under a challenging subject matter mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and a challenging shoot schedule. So it was, uh, and it was completely independent, you know. Um, so, and we shot New Mexico in the United States for Greece. Right. So that was really fascinating. But we have some great other actors in, in the show as well. Uh, Tanya Ramon, if you're a fan of Lost, our, our leading lady was the one who played Rousseau's, uh, Rousseau and Benjamin Linus's daughter. I never saw Lost. Never saw Lost. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> I'm so aware that it was a culturally significant. Well, you're uh, allowed work. to hate Lost. You're not allowed to not have seen it. <laughs> oh, well, I've okay. not seen it, so, but I went through okay. a period of not watching TV. I and mean, uh, now I'm catching up. I'm halfway through uh, yeah. season three of The Dukes of Hazard. So, <laughs> uh, You'll get there soon. You'll be there soon. Uh, got, uh, we've got to wrap up. Um, Fair enough. But um, uh, just to finish with one final question uh, this is from. The uh, Ridley's Games Room Movie Buff Quiz. Okay. Uh, it's uh, multiple choice, but if you can answer it without multiple choice, uh, th th that is an extra point. Extra point. Uh, Randy McMurphy is the lead character in which 1970s movie? One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Uh, 
Is it A, Clockwork Orange, B, The Exorcist, C, <laughs> One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, or D, Jaws? Yes. <laughs> nice one. He's also a, a character in a book as well, so I think that's, uh, <laughs> that's uh, correct. Uh, of, yeah. this, of, a, of the same name. Uh, Van, um, your film comes out again in England? Uh, Later in March. Later in March. Look for it. It's going to be like the Greek, the Greek, the Greeks in the rebellion uh, against the Ottoman Empire. Hard to find, but very effective when they finally arrive. So, <laughs> we will be uh, we will be out there. We could have spoken for ages. I'm sure we've got uh, a lot more I would have liked to have asked you. Um, what song am I playing? What uh, song am I playing? Oh, um, Incense and Peppermints. Oh, that's what I'm playing. Okay. Thank you very much for joining thank us. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. Uh, Clicks of Freedom. Good luck. Good luck with the, f- with the release of the film, and uh, congratulations much. on getting it done. Thanks so much. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on Fubar Radio. <laughs> <laughs> we're back. Uh, we're back. Ah. In, we're back live. Uh, uh, it's uh, nine minutes past one, and uh, we are joined in the studio by uh, director Jim Hosking. Hello. Hello, Hello. Jim. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Uh, we just went in the other room for a photo with you, and uh, and I uh, thought, do 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 I know you? And uh, yes, I do. I've met you. <laughs> yeah, you're going to tell the story. I, right? Yeah, but this not is not a very interesting. This story. is the reason why we brought you on, actually, uh, because uh, <laughs> Nick's been yeah, furious. Exactly. I, yeah, I, I really. managed. What the great thing about the show is, I managed to actually work out a few of my uh, grudges, uh, and every so often, uh, a real shit of a person will come on, and I managed to <laughs> bring, yeah. bring them up on it. And so, I've been really riding high on having <laughs> shat down on you from the great. Yeah, heart of, of, course you, of course you have, and yeah. Um, yeah really quite uh, embittered about this. Uh, <laughs> this is the only reason we've done this show. This is the only reason we've done this show. Ten months have been building up to this. Yeah. It's called Fan Club to lure people into a full sense of security and then we pounce on them. Um, uh, I, I told the story a couple of weeks ago about the McCoy's crisp advert. Yes. And you were the director that was directing it. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did. I made a, an advert for McCoy's crisps and there were three... I suppose meant to be three lads. You're casting it. a set of three, though. A set of three blokes who geezers. needed yes geezers who needed directions because they got lost, and <laughs> I wanted to cast you and a couple of other blokes. One mm. of whom I remember was Welsh with curly hair, mm-hmm. um, and we didn't seem to cast any of you three. Mm-hmm. We cast three completely different people. You didn't cast us three because you were casting us as a three, and it was, was that, either, maybe that's what it was. It yeah. was it was if if one of the person. If one of the persons didn't uh, didn't uh, live up to the high standards of McCoy's, then uh, then all three, <laughs> of, all us, three, all three of us lost the job. Yeah, I do remember those. So you lost the job for all. all I the lost it. No, that's one of the things that I feel the most <laughs> delighted about was that I saved all three of us from having to work with Jim Hosking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> terribly shameful. Um, um, you are the director of. Uh, well, I've only seen bo- uh, an, an evening with Beverly Loughlin this week, but um, the Greasy Strangler is, uh, is, I think, it, well, the first time I saw it, it went into my 
maybe top ten films of all time. And then, <laughs> so I watched it with my friend Pat, my friend uh, Pat, Pat Butcher, Bur- Pat Butcher, Canadian guy, and he came over to England, and we were like, uh, not Pat I, Butcher, not Pat Butcher, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, she brilliant. Was, yeah, she was there too. That's, she was there too. Pam St. Clement. She didn't. She didn't. But Pam, Pam St. Clement didn't, 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 didn't quite Ooh, enjoy it as God. much. <laughs> God, I might need a couple of minutes she's to still, myself. She's still living. Uh, <laughs> she's living in St. Albans, where I grew up, partially. Would you cast Pam St. Clement? In a McCoy's advert with two other geezers. Yeah, she'd get stuck up the tube, though, wouldn't she? They, I think they all went up the tube. I don't know if they're doing that anymore. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't watch, Although actually, didn't the, watch the advert. Went, the guy who went up the tube in the advert, though, I remember the first AD who worked on it, he said to me about a month ago, coincidentally, he said, oh, the best bit of direction you ever gave was on that McCoy's thing when you said, you, said, um, you shouted at the guy who went up the tube You've just shat yourself, you fat ginger twat, like that. And he looked really terrified. <laughs> on I had to get a good reaction out of him. That's anyway, amazing. That's really amazing. Probably, that couldn't, kind of probably couldn't get away with that in 2019. <laughs> no, um, which is right now. But, um, <laughs> but what's, the, what's the fucking, what's they saying? Pat what Bircher. Was Pat Bircher. Bircher. So Pat Birch came over from Canada. And he stayed with me. And one night we watched The Greasy Strangler. And we were, we were both like, my, uh, blew our minds. And then he went away back to Canada. And then a year later, he came back. And when he got on my doorstep, he goes, uh, Are you watching the Dreesy's Grandler again? Yeah, so it's like, it really, yeah, it had an impact. I've, I've seen, only seen both your films in the last sort of couple of months. And I Ooh, saw an evening too in, close together. I now I saw an evening in Beverly Loughlin, and I was like, oh, I really like that. And then went back to and the Greasy Strangler, something that's been on my radar for a while. And lots of people have said, oh, you'll enjoy it, and just in that way, that I just didn't get round to it. Yeah. And then watched that after watching Evening Beverly Loughlin, and I'm the same. I absolutely obsessed with it. Oh, that's good. I, I really loved it. I really, really loved uh, an evening with Beverly Loughlin. My friend came over, and she hadn't seen. Uh, Greasy Strangler, but she was going on about this film, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm got to watch it because I'm interviewing him on Friday." And so I was, we sat down to watch it. It was on my things to watch for a long time, yeah. but uh, and we watched it. I really loved it, and then we did a double bill and we watched the Greasy Strangler directly <laughs> afterwards. And she was just like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. It's like it's fucking. Yeah, um, yeah. It sort of feels like that's the wrong way around in a way. No, it's I, like, think it's, I think it's. I think it's a good way around. I think. It's oh really? A, yeah. Because I, I sort of. Around. Oh no, maybe you're right. Yeah, because I kind of went in quite hard, and then I tried to do something sort of quite surprisingly it's sort of tender and romantic. You know, it's, mm. it's a way of that was sort my of punk maybe rock like statement. dipping your toe <laughs> in the water. Uh, but I was. But I th- one of the things I liked most about uh, Beverly Loughlin was uh, uh, the performances you get out of uh, of everyone. But um, I think Emil Hirsch is incredible in it. Yeah. I've never sort of not like I don't like him, but I've never sort of like on. I don't know. He's like that guy that's in, in Speed mm. Racer and stuff like that. And yeah. he was so stylized and crazy in this film. I just thought he was incredible. Yeah. No, he was. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what like where the uh, the idea sort of came from initially. About I think I'd seen him in um, Killer Joe. I don't know if you've seen. Oh, him. I've yeah, seen yeah, Killer yeah. Joe. Yeah. So he was in that, but there was just something about his face that sort of felt like it could be quite funny and sort of he could be you know very um frustrated and sort of angry about his position in life but he really came to it with um just so much so much uh, enthusiasm and wanting to just push it i mean he was pushing it as as far as as it would go i had to kind of like edit some i think some of the sort of facial expressions when he really like gave himself a massive underbite and stuff there was some <laughs> sort of quite prolonged underbites that had to had to be cut out but uh Do but you, you know, know he's i mean he's also had quite a tricky time i think like he had a 
he had an altercation at the, at the Sundance Film Festival, like in I think it was the year before the Strangler was there, like twenty fifteen, where he got he got in a bit of a ruckus with someone, and then I think he kind of went to jail or something. And, um, but anyway, so uh, this he, is Emil Hirsch, yes, uh, who's out of Speed Race and Into the Wild, Into and, the and, wild and not yeah. uh, and not uh, Judd Hirsch, Judd Hirsch from who Taxi. plays uh, who's in Taxi, who, who, yeah. who plays Jeff Goldblum's dad in Independence Day. Do not get them, <laughs> Don't get confused. them confused. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I think he's kind of got quite a... He, he's quite happy to take a few risks. And, and so. with uh, Evening Beverly Laughlin, were the actors cast in it, were they aware of the Greasy Strangler? Was that how you kind of got people in to be like, this is... Have you seen this? They had all seen it, yeah. Um, I mean, I think some of them had... Uh, no, maybe none of them had actually seen it before they got this script. Maybe that kind okay. of got them, to, got them to watch it. But, um, I mean, like, I, I saw... I had a screening of it in LA at the there was like some Sundance Next Fest thing where they screen it at the Ace Hotel downtown and then afterwards the guy who was moderating it who is part of Sundance he said oh there's someone I want you to meet and and so I went down this kind of long <coughs> corridor and it was Craig Robinson who plays Beverly Laughlin but so he had already got the script who I keep calling Craig Ferguson <laughs> <laughs> again it's a, um, it's a different guy different person but so Craig uh, I think he hadn't said that he was going to do Laughlin yet, but he had just seen the Greasy Strangler. He really did look kind of quite shocked. I think it was, <laughs> it was quite, it's, it's quite an assault when you see it on a big screen and really loud. With yeah. just, I can't understand because I always uh, remember the first time I saw Back to the Future at the cinema. Where, oh yeah, me too. Uh, where, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it was, but it wasn't, it wasn't long ago. It was like in two thousand. Oh right. Maybe it's two thousand twenty fifth anniversary, two thousand ten. That was the first time you saw it I, in the cinema. Oh, I'd only right. seen it on VHS. Yeah. You know, and then when you see it at cinema you realise that there's jokes in it that get a reaction from the audience. Where I was just like... Oh, like when he plugs in the guitar and whams the chord or whatever. That's the bit I remember. Yeah, but then there's also a load of jokes in Back to the Future that you don't really realise that are jokes until no one in the cinema laughs at them. Like all of the stuff where Doc is going on about um, what's wrong with the gravitational pull in the future. Because oh, yeah. you've got basically a 16-year-old kid in the 80s that keeps going using words like heavy, which yes. are basically words that Robert Zemeckis was using when yeah, he was a teenager. that's what I always think of it. Because it's like, no, no one was saying that no, in the 80s. No, kid in the 80s is saying heavy and when you're in a cinema full of people and no one's laughing at the jokes that they've written about gravitational pulls <laughs> and heavy you go oh the, these are jokes that don't work and then when you see uh, but but the majority of Back to the Future is filled with people like collectively laughing at stuff but having only ever watched it on your own and vi- on VHS mm. growing up you know you obviously well I guess I thought it was a much more serious film mm. than it really was but I can't imagine I mean obviously you made The Greasy Strangler to be watched in cinemas with, in rooms full of people. Yeah. But I have not ever experienced that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I only have one. What's yeah. that like? <laughs> <laughs> what, is, yeah, what is the reaction? Oh, it was really, um, it was, it was really weird. I mean, it was the first ever screening of it as well. So it was at Sundance. It was midnight. It was the first, first of the midnight films. And I think, you know, you do this kind of red carpet thing or whatever beforehand where they take your photograph. And there was a red carpet for the Greasy Well, I, I mean, no, not like that. I mean, there's... <laughs> Everyone what I came wearing like, tuxedos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was, I was riding on Prince Philip's back. Um, no, uh, well, you know what I mean. There was like a thing where you get yeah, the photo yeah, yeah, taken. Yeah, yeah. But, all the, but some of the producers started dressing up in costumes from the film unexpectedly just beforehand and then that was making me really nervous and kind of angry as well like I didn't really want to reveal what any 
anything looked like in the film. Yeah, and then sure. suddenly yes. one of them's wearing Big Ronnie's suit when he's dancing that's got a diamond yes. cut out yeah, so yeah. you can see his dick and Oh, and no. so, and so that kind of the yeah. producers did that. Yeah, someone nah. did. Yeah, that's annoying. And that and that kind of pissed me off. And then yeah. I, so then I went in and I was in a state of slight sort of you know, um, just feeling a bit. Bruce sort of Willis out turned up to the six sense as a ghost. And then, um, <laughs> but, then <laughs> but then I think you know when the, when when the film started, no one knew anything about it, and they just thought it was going to be like a horror, like a horror film. Mm. And it starts out, and there's quite a lot of like you probably think I'm the greasy stranger. Well, I am. I am. I'm not. I'm not. And people go, whoa, yeah, you know, quite sort of pantomime sort of audience reactions. And I think that after about 15 minutes, <laughs> that just just stopped. It absolutely wiped dead. the smile off it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I smile but off your went, face. No, but it was quite amazing because I because I was sort of. At the beginning, I was thinking, like, wow, fuck, God, this is going really well. People are going to love this. This might actually be a complete classic, you know, like I was really yeah, yeah. riding high on myself. And then suddenly it went dead, and I had, like, five <laughs> minutes where I thought, oh, my God, this is a complete disaster. I'm fucked. <laughs> like, everybody hates this film. And I, I felt like all my limbs started really spasming, and I was sitting in my chair. And we all aware chair, of what was like, coming next. <laughs> yeah, and I was thinking, oh, like, no, oh, there's, really oh, there's just this. loads of weirdness now, like long conversations <laughs> between people that are just going to freak everybody out and I thought this is you know it's sunk and I and I started like shaking and a lot of people walked out and they seemed to all be sitting around me like when I went in to introduce the film everybody to do with the film was sitting in a, in a particular area like all the actors you know cast whatever oh, that's the same thing the <laughs> actors the cast they were the people there. in oh, it the cast were there <laughs> <laughs> but anyway there was no room for me there was a room so for the actors yeah the cast were there as well, well actually, loosely use the word the actors. cast and the actors couldn't stand <laughs> each other <laughs> actually one of the actors had to go and vomit because he found watching himself on screen so <laughs> disturbing the sun Rich. the sun oh really yeah oh but, my god um, he's, he's, he's in Beverly Laughlin as well he is he's lost half his body weight after watching himself on oh, screen really? in a greasy oh, was that yeah, that's what it was. But they were all actors, right? Sorry, I'm cutting off the story. Uh, they some were, of the yes, people that well, were in the know. film. Right? Yeah, I mean, they would definitely call themselves actors. Some of them are more like actors than others, yeah. But 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 so anyway, like after about 20 minutes, I just suddenly felt this real sense of liberation of, of realising, oh, actually, what I wanted to do with this film, I hadn't really realised till it was playing, was I wanted people to just think, what the fuck is going on? Like, I just wanted to... It was. It's like having three people in a party sort of cornering you and just like, like jabbering at you over and over and yeah. you just can't fucking get a word in and no one else will speak to them. And I thought, well, actually, that's what I wanted. So I started to enjoy it. And I think I might have laughed more than anyone else in the cinema. You know? I think it's, re it's, like, it's really funny. It's a really funny film, but I wouldn't really call it a comedy. Or would I call it I a comedy? I think it's a comedy. But then it's also... I mean, me and Nat were talking about this, and I think like it's a, it's a horror film, but none of the horror no, is not. scary no. or horrific. But the whole film <laughs> is fucking disgusting. Like is everything it? about the film is disgusting. Yeah, really? like me and me and my friend Rebecca were watching <laughs> really? it on Monday, I and I'm it. I'm retching all the way through it. <laughs> like it's like um, all the amount of uh, uh, the amount of grease that is that is in it. Yeah, people um, seem to find that disgusting. The nudity is disgusting. Uh, it's uh, I don't find the nudity at the all. The penises disgusting. are fucking repulsive, right? <laughs> uh, but both ends of the spectrum, right? The, <laughs> 
Uh, but what's the other thing that I fucking? Uh, but um, uh, the dialogue is disgusting, right? That's the, so, that's so the one b- thing. That's bit when he's in the, the bit when he's in the pancake shop, where oh, it's, uh, they're having breakfast t- together or something, and uh, and he's talking about how he's true of heart, and uh, and it literally makes my flesh crawl, <laughs> and I'm just literally I'm like retching at his dialogue, his over sincere description of himself. The, the, uh, one, the one bit that I, I find really hard to deal with, and I think I can't ever show this to my daughter is that when after he's had sex with Janet and he this is Ronnie and he rolls over and he says he says uh, he says something like I think you could be my forever love he says you're so much oh no he says you're so much more than a hot wet pussy you could be my forever love (laughs) just the mixture of like and then real corny kind of romanticism yeah but um, but when but when uh, she's having sex with the son and he's going like this like I mean like like every 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 moment of the film makes my flesh crawl and there's quite a lot of stuff from that scene that's no longer in the film where he's like, she's going down on him, and he says, "My penis is in the mouth of the most beautiful woman in this city." <laughs> like, stuff like that, but it's all gone. You know. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to see that. I mean, it's it's, but it's really horrible. And so then, I think it's really clever in, in the sense that um, it is sort of like a horror film. Like when you watch a horror film, or you watch a slasher film, and you're meant to be, oh no, someone's been uh, murdered, and it's repulsive and all of that. But you've kind of put the murders in there, and yeah. they're played for laughs. So. But but what you've managed to well, they're very to make, inept, aren't they? You know? well, well, it's a bit when it, it's kind of like very obviously that you're using prosthetics and, and, and well, when his face caves when in. You, when you put, when, when go, oh, well, no, no, we I'm really not, really smashed. I'm him trying in the not to give it all away, but like, uh, but mm. well, yeah, when you, when his face gets caved it in, it's funny, right? And, yeah. and that's all funny. But what what isn't? <laughs> but the rest of it's like the reverse of a horror film. The thing I think where of, everything else in it is absolutely repulsive. Yeah, that's yeah, and flesh crawling. Do you know there's that bit? in Mulholland Drive, the David Lynch film, and you've got the bit in the cafe where the two guys discussing, one says, oh, I just saw they had a dream last night and I saw the they scariest go around to the thing, skip, and they go around to the skip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's something about that scene which is terrifying, yeah. but it's like, it's not a horror film. You're not watching a horror film, but you're being told something's going to be scary. And then yeah. this guy, what actually appears is a man who appears to have Rice Krispies on his face, but you go, oh! But and I think there's terrifying. Sound, isn't there sound when he appears as well? Yes, there's yeah. something that's really, it's really powerful. So yeah. it's that thing where David Lynch sort of makes horror films, but he doesn't. Oh, he just definitely does. But you yeah, wouldn't call yeah. him that, would you? You wouldn't well, say, oh, it's a horror but I mean, film. I, yeah, I mean, I don't really watch horror films, I suppose, generally, but... I think that things are maybe horrifying when they defy categorization. Yes. And that's when things are... Or that's when things really stick with you. you yeah. Know? And I suppose the thing about the Greasy Strangler is it kind of... It has a, it has a weird melding of kind of... Innocent, like, it's kind of like a cartoon or like a kid's film, but where the subject matter's got really fucked up along the way. And then it's like this, this kind of sweetness with a, a, like a real kind of... Baseness, you know. Like. Where do you think that style comes from? Where, where, where is it in you? What's the? Oh God! I mean, I think. Um, I mean, I think there's a whole load of things. I think being English and growing up so watching I Carry d- On films. I didn't realise you were English when yeah. uh, when I'd been when I was well, I just after said the it just greasy. Now. No, just said it just <laughs> now. Yeah. Um, till uh, yeah, uh, when I watched the Greasy Strangler, I didn't realise you were English. Slightly disappointed. And your background but, but, has come from. Oh, go on. Yeah, but he hadn't finished. Well, he was talking about being English. Oh, and then I, was I was just saying, cutting in saying, saying it's English. It come, Sorry, it he cuts from? me off all the time, Jim. 
unbelievable when he does it. I absolutely hate it when he does that with me. But so, uh, um, I mean, I think like uh, my, you know, it's like my family, my, the TV that I grew up watching. You know, it's like that's the stuff that I always found funny. I suppose it's just and like and just it's kind of quite schoolboyish kind of humour as well. Yeah, yeah. And um, but it's slightly. If it is schoolboyish humour, it's, it's slightly reframed. Like if I'd written it on my own, yeah, it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be the same. You know, it wouldn't be nearly the same. It's like two people kind of egging each other on, sure. and trying mm. to make each other laugh. And then I realised when it came to making it, because I, I wrote it with um, a friend of mine, Toby. And then I realised, oh, actually, Toby hasn't come out to the shoot. He's not here. I'm the only one representing all of this dialogue <laughs> and everything. It's like I'm, yeah, this sort of massive kind of pervert yeah. who's come out and, like, uh, yeah, it's all to do with me. And so I, the people come out and show you prosthetic dicks? Yeah, and like, like I had conversations. Yeah, I had a conversation the, with the, the guy who made the penises. Um, well, one thing I heard sort of, you know, like someone said to me, oh, Oh yeah, Martin said that you're that, that he's worked with a lot of people and he's worked with Mel Gibson and you're even more difficult than Mel Gibson when it comes to <laughs> getting these penises right. So but, did you have to did you have to get through a lot of penises? No, we didn't. That was right the really frustrating thing was he basically did two that looked completely dis- disturbing to me. They were so sort of like like wiggly and, and like distended and like I don't know, like if you imagine like like a cow's real sort of prize winning curly cock, like the most sort of <laughs> Despicable version, and I couldn't deal with it. So I said, so I just drew like a mouse's head, like yeah, that's a cartoon. What it looks like. I drew a mouse's head, and I said, just do two, two mouse heads where the balls are either side of the cock, and do a really tiny one, and then a large one, and then give them both a really irritated tip. I think I just yes, sort that's of. It, but that's and I'm saying <laughs> even uh, the penises are disgusting, and you're saying no, I don't find that they are. Well, I don't and really now find you've them described that. It. I think if they were real, I'd find them disgusting. But the fact that they're not. Yeah, I mean, if that played, was really his the, cock, I'd be, I'd be, <laughs> I would, I'd join the club. It's so long and tapered and angry at the end. That's it. And I think it's, it's just I think like, that's it. I think it's triangular, it. isn't it? Yeah, it's, it is. I think it is the. the angriness of it. Yes, it's angry, yeah. Yeah. It's fucking disgusting. Well, this is what I wrote. I think that shows a degree of sensitivity in the penis. (laughs) This is what I wrote on Twitter. I wrote, uh, gross and unpleasant. (laughs) One of my favourite films of recent years. I love it. It's fucking disgusting. Sort of a horror, but the horror elements are funny, so instead the film makes you feel sick and uncomfortable for 90 minutes. Did it make you feel uncomfortable? Yeah, Yeah. sick and and uncomfortable for 90 minutes. But that's what I love about it. Yeah. Because I'm enjoying that. <laughs> I'm enjoying sitting on my uh, sitting on my living room floor, riding around on the carpet, going, "Oh no, oh no!" I've seen it seven times. I love it. Um, yeah, but that's it. Yeah. It does obviously have this. I mean, I'm, it inspires something in people, doesn't it? Because it yeah. was just like it sort of. <laughs> I tell you what, one thing it inspired was it got reviewed three times in the Guardian, like once at Sundance, then twice when it came out in the had a very brief cinema thing. And it went from four stars to three stars. And then I think my mate Joe, who plays like Oinker in the film, who has a pig's nose, he's. <laughs> that's, he, that's, that's absolutely he, disgusting. He texted me and said, You've got to look at the review in The Guardian today. And I was like, Oh, it's going to be really good. And I opened it and it was zero. And I'd never ever seen zero stars. <laughs> I didn't think they even did that, you know? Zero. And it was like, I, I thought, oh, God, there's like a printing error. They've forgotten to give it one. <laughs> 
It got zero stars. What got, did the review it went say? Four, three. Oh, it was just. It was a very, very short review that just basically. It was a bit like shit sandwich in Spinal Tap for shark sandwich. <laughs> it was just like there is nothing of like any merit in this film whatsoever. It was just basically just like this oh, is just that's awful. A, that's such a shame. That's such a shame that they're living their life like that. Yeah, no, I think. I feel so sorry too, for yeah. them. Um, yeah. Don't worry, we get reviews like that all the time on iTunes. I don't fan worry. Club. <laughs> uh, don't I should worry. though. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I strangely don't care. No, I don't think you should. But yeah. I think actually, zero really, stars. Fuck off. Yeah, but also if you read some of the things that get four, and you go, oh, yeah, I know yeah, why. Yeah. It's like it's almost like it's when you're able to read. It's reviews trying to make the film in a, way, in a yeah. correct way. Fucking yeah. hell! Have you seen Uncle Boone Me and his past lives? Oh, I love that. Though. Oh my god! Oh, really? <laughs> fucking hell! Five stars on fucking God, <laughs> and I fucking watched it, and I watched it all the way through. But yeah. fucking hell! Yeah. Like, you love that film. I do actually. Oh yeah, god, yeah. maybe I'll reassess the greasy strangler. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, but Uncle Boone me and his was it and his past lives. Something like Who Fears His Past Lives. I think. What do you like? What what what? Yeah, what do you like? <laughs> um, well, What's I love David you? Lynch, for example, but I think I like any I like anyone who just feels like they're doing their own thing. Yeah. It's, it's kind of as simple as that. And I that, suppose there's something like David Lynch does those sort of when he does actual funny things in his. Oh, films. they're the funny, like, yeah. literally the funniest. Like to me, his. Like his in comedy that, that bit in Mulholland Drive where they get the guy the espresso or yes. like that is the funniest I can't think of anything well that's it that's the kind of, it's what, those happens bits. That? what happens with the espresso well there's this really big deal about how they've got to get this <laughs> this guy this espresso and he's like sitting this really sort of forbidding he kind of looks a bit sort of mafia like a sort of tough guy kind of he doesn't say anything he's just sitting there <laughs> and there's a really big deal made b- between all these characters about look are you, you know are you are you sure it's going to be all right? It's like, no, trust me, honestly, it's much better than last time. This is really, this is the good, you know, this is going to be really good. And and the guy comes over and gives him the espresso and he's like, he's like, you can really like it. This is really good, this espresso. And it's just like, and it just builds and builds and builds and he sort of drinks it and then, it's like this reaction sort of within him and it starts like dribbling out of his mouth and it's so it's kind of really hilarious and disturbing yeah, it is, it is. someone gets a napkin and like starts wiping his mouth and then it's just I mean, like it's, just like, sort of it's like the biggest sin sort of, in it's the like world something, it's like you're watching something angry happening no it feels really powerful but it's just amazing that it's about just getting someone the wrong coffee you know right but it is, it's it's that, so it's that's no, meant to be funny yeah oh I, it, no doubt about it I so mean I think David Lynch's when, films generally are meant to yeah, be funny yeah but it's the bit where when um, he kills the guy and someone walks in and so he's got to kill them <laughs> and then someone else <laughs> sees him dragging the body down the corridor and so he's got to kill them that's funny is it? I think so yeah, right. yeah. Okay. Oh, maybe I'll watch it again <laughs> I think, I'm just I watching mean, these I... films going that's, that's crazy but I think yeah, the, that those sort of bits in David Lynch films not David Lynch the whole but you can sort of see things like that in your films but David Hopper's so I mean Dennis, Dennis Hopper, Hopper what would do? Dennis yeah, Dennis Hopper in Blue Velvet is funny. Yeah, I find a lot of that stuff really funny. It's yeah, just like, yeah. Yeah, and, and I often find things that I think aren't, or people don't seem to think are funny. I always go, no, I'm sure that's oh, yeah, meant yeah, to be yeah. a joke. I'm sure it is. It's yeah, no, but you know, like when you're the only person in the cinema laughing at yeah. something, it's just like, you, you just find. Mannequin just, on the move. <laughs> I was the only person in the cinema for that, though, so. Uh, were you laughing all the way through? M- American on the Moon. Yeah. Come on, Hollywood. He's, he's hilarious. <laughs> Actually, someone tweeted that there was, uh, Beverly Loughlin was released in Finland on something like 16 cinemas. And I, and I was thinking, oh, that's good. Like People in Finland must really love it and they want to go and see it. And then some, some bloke in Finland tweeted a picture of a 
of an empty cinema. <laughs> and he was like, Bev- like here to see an evening with Beverly Loughlin about to start. I'm the only person in here. And then, like, a minute later, there was another tweet, and someone else had walked in and said, oh, the, oh now the audience is 100% bigger than I it was. Think, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that is an incredible achievement. I went to see... What was that Arnold Schwarzenegger film? Oh, uh, The Last... The Last Stand. So it's his big comeback film. Saw it on a Friday night, Leicester Square. Friday it came out. Friday it came out, <laughs> Leicester Square Odeon. <laughs> The big one. So it holds out many people. The 500 seater. (laughs) And there were four of us in there. But it's weird that you, like, you're one of the four people who wanted to go and yeah. see it. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. love Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Me and Hayley Campbell. It was Cam- his big comeback. Me and Hayley Campbell and went to see it. It was a good film. Yeah. Wasn't a, it wasn't a perfect film. It was an ensemble. <laughs> it wasn't like an Arnold Schwarzenegger, me- you know, mega hit. But it was a good film. <laughs> it was no. Did you have a chat with the other three afterwards and sort of like. No. No. You sort of nod at each other, though, don't you? Which I think is a like <laughs> no, it, we didn't. We couldn't see each other. We were so <laughs> far away from each other. We couldn't make out features on each other's faces. <laughs> but uh, what is weird is that uh, I think I went with Stuart Laws. We, we sat like three rows from the front, and other people were sat like, like miles back in the back row, and it's just like. You could well, it'd be weirder anywhere. if the four of you were all we'll sat next to together. each other. Like, we right did that once. We sat <laughs> right in front of someone. <laughs> for, oh, brother, where are someone, someone sat next to me in a massive empty screen. Like, like, like one away. Like, it's almost Looking like... at you. No, but it's almost like just like... like further than that, mate. Yeah. Like, fucking one, the one seat away is not far enough. Went to see the Avengers... What's the last Avengers film? Uh, not Age of Ultron. The oh, um, uh, war game, whatever it's called, <laughs> Infinity, <laughs> Infinity War, Infinity and uh, and somebody had to go at me because my drink was in their cup holder. And you go, just use the other one. Just use the fucking other one. People are fucking mental. Since you fucking leave the house, that's when the problems start. <laughs> Stay in, draw the blinds, run yourself a hot bath. So, Jim, did you <laughs> remember <laughs> listen to fan this, club? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave the house. You remember Nick, or did you? Were you aware of Nick's work then? Was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How yeah, long yeah. ago was it? I think it's ten years ago. Oh wow! You're talking about me? Yeah. Um, no, maybe it was nine 2009. years ago. Two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. It was uh, two thousand ten. Maybe it's two thousand ten. I think I was about to go to Edinburgh, and my agent phoned me up to tell me that. Um, I said, "What's happened with this thing?" She goes, "Oh, that's gone away." Yeah. Oh. Why? I can't believe it, Nick. It's no, I felt quite embarrassed about it. I, I think I actually sent you a message on Facebook to apo- apologise. Really? That's mental that we've met each other and uh, we've had a past life. Yeah. We've got to play a song and then we'll do the. Oh, we're playing your song. Well, I couldn't really think what to play, so I just. So you just chose picked the something from, from your own film. film. Yeah, yep, unbelievable. That's right. yep. uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I play songs from Uncle every week. It's good. I don't. Not, not done that once, have I? No. It's very restrained of me. Uh, so, which one would we want? We've got the the version original, or we've got a nineties remix. I think version original. Yeah. Really? Yes. Even though you've heard it in the edit over and over again. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> you don't want the nineties. Has remix. got his headphones on. Okay. Can I press it? Oh, one of the buttons. So uh, we're back. I'm just eating some blueberries, and we are still with Jim Hosking. And, and that film was in that that film. That song was in Beverly Loughlin. Yeah. Did you like the song anyway? Yeah, I did actually. Yeah, I liked it as a child. Yeah, I did. I and was I'm, it always? Did you sort of have it in mind? Did you know immediately? No, I that's asked what a friend. Played? No, I was. Um, 
No, I was pretty unsure what to play at the end, actually. Um, in fact, I think I was... Uh, yeah, I, no, I was... I mean, I had, like, a lot of thoughts, but they all just seemed completely wrong. It was try, It was like trying to find something that felt like it wasn't... Tr it wasn't... Um, what would you say? Like, like anything that felt like it was trying to be sort of cool or whatever was just felt yeah. completely wrong. But then I didn't want it to be sort of too kitsch and ironic mm -hmm. and, and actually I like this song and I sort of feel like it's quite sweet and quite exactly, yeah. and it's quite earnest but it also feels like it doesn't really come from any particular place like I think he's German or something and it feels like you know you can't you can almost not tell whether it's a man or a woman or yes. where he's from and I just like the fact that it was just this this thing that just seemed to exist like in its own little it's very space. earnest isn't it it's got oh, like, it really it's is like, yeah, uh, yeah. it doesn't mean yeah, you enjoyed nice blueberries, now. Can you hear them? You're very much I mean, it's out. kind of like the like it kind of it's kind of like the tone of the film is, I suppose. Also, is like it's it's a bit ridiculous, but it's also earnest as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you got plans for another film? Have you got? I've, yeah, I've got a few things bubbling at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And is that now? Are you still doing adverts? Is that still? I haven't really done any for a while. Right. I mean, I probably need to do something for a bit more money. Yeah, right. But I'm um no I I. I I sort of feel like more and more like I, you know, you just want to give your time to stuff that you give a shit about, you know. And so you're writing currently? Yeah, I am actually. Yeah, yeah, I'm always writing stuff. Yeah, I'm just. Um, I mean, I just did a TV show in America um, for uh, Adult Swim. Have you heard oh, of them? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is being tweeted about at the moment. Like, uh, it's. I think it's really polarized people, and like some people absolutely hate it. You <laughs> what is it? It's called Tropical Cop Tales. I can send you a link. <coughs> oh yeah, yes, send me please. a link. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like a they're, they're like twelve minutes long or something. It's like ten episodes. It's like a it's it's like nominally it's like a cop show, but I think that we just came up with the the name Tropical Cop Tales because it was like <laughs> cocktails, and then it was like oh we should do that, and and it's you know it's not like a cop show at all. It's kind of like a load of weird. Old men in dresses, I think. But there's no cops in it. No, there are, there are, but, but it's they, not they a don't cop really. Show. No, but they don't really do much. They okay. don't really say cops, much. but it's not a police procedure. I feel like they feel a little shortchanged because they're in it very infrequently and they don't have much dialogue, <laughs> and it's all the other people who just seem to be sort of like talking the whole time. But they're the title part, so they can take that. They can take that, and then you know, probably feel quite aggrieved that they're not really given the <laughs> necessary. Limelight, sure, but I think that's a ve you're talking about very petty people. And talking about people who are just grateful to be out of the house. Mm. I'm not grateful to be <laughs> I out of the house. I prefer staying in. Yeah, be but this is just around the corner, the corner for me. This is just around, slightly <laughs> further away from that. He <laughs> lives on yeah. the other side of London, but it's just around the corner for me. <laughs> um, mm. That's good. Mm. What the blueberry? The blueberry, the mm. chat, the weather, just having a nice time. What are you a fan of, Jim? What's your favourite film? Well, I was asked... Well, oh, what's my favourite film? Well, I know. I've seen what your answers are, but let's uh, go... Favourite <laughs> film, favourite <laughs> film. Mm. Well, what's coming to mind? I mean, I like Wild at Heart by David Lynch, I guess. I like uh, Nuts in May by Mike Lee. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Um, I like... Uh, oh, God, there's so many... I mean, like, Taxi Driver, I think, is, like, a perfect film. 
Um, Taxi Driver's a good example I, of a film that's really funny that people don't seem to think is funny, I think. Yeah. I find it so King of Comedy funny. is brilliant as well. Yeah. Um, but that I like isn't so funny, is it? King of Comedy. I don't think it is as funny as Taxi Driver. I think I think Taxi really, Driver's a really funny film. So funny. I really love King of Comedy. I, I love it. I'm not saying you don't, mate. I'm just saying that I like it. All right. Just because I like something doesn't take it away from you, Nat. Come on, <laughs> share your presents at Christmas. Um, <clears throat> I really love King of Comedy. I think um, uh, it's just—it's like it's like the way comedy has gone now, exactly. Which is like awkward comedy since The Office. And yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but it was done in 1980. Is it still awkward? I mean, is that still like kind of? The current, yeah. I don't really watch comedy at all. I have to say, so mm. there is a lot of it. I can't. I, I don't really. I don't really watch comedy. I watch um, cookery shows. Do you? Mm. Oh, uh, you got one you could recommend? Um, <laughs> Rick Stein's son. What's Rick Stein's got? Jack Stein. He's he's brilliant. Oh really? Yeah. Um, but um, I but I like it. I watch cookery shows because I, I if I watch comedy I'm just like going oh god uh, it's work you're I watching know. it and it's yeah, competitive yeah, yeah. and you're exactly. just like so I don't or it's just people doing things in a way that you wouldn't want to do it it's annoying it's, yeah, yeah, yeah so I, I don't tend to watch it I, I watch yeah. I watch cookery shows and it's very I mean relaxing. I like you know like even like I like stuff like you know I like uh, Breakfast Club or I like I like um Room with a view. I like uh, some like it hot. You know, I like a load of weird uh, art housey kind of films that I'm not going to mention here because I'll just sound like an arsehole. Name no. one. Name no. one. I mean, well, like say, I like uh, Aki Karismaki, the director from Finland. Yeah, there like, you go. There's, I can see that. He's one of my favourites. I like Fassbinder, the German filmmaker who. Died when he was about Haki Karismaki someone who's also very funny, isn't he? That some people take overly seriously. And go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you look like if you watch like Fear Eats the Soul, tell me about Fassbinder. him. I don't know anything about him. Um, he and I feel he sort makes of, kind like of sad, betrayed like, by Nathaniel that he's what, just for having seen it. Yeah, that you've heard They're of like it. sort of set, like, <laughs> like like very sad kind of deadpan. I suppose comedies like set in they're, they're in Finland. He's from Finland, and there's like a particular styling to them. Like I mean, a, I suppose a bit like what I've done with my two but it mm. feels like they kind of exist in their own little world what, he, what at, at time but he's still going but I think he might have just made his last film like a year or two ago which wasn't so great but um, the one he made before that was really good called Le Havre and I mean he's made like he must have made like 20 films or mm. something so over the last probably Trim 30 years or something do you remember Leningrad Cowboys in in the 80s do you remember those movies going out? okay no. I feel like they're p I feel like yeah if you don't know who, if you don't know who he is this far in you wouldn't know who he was yeah no, but no. I think like Jim no, but the like thing Jim about the John show Moose as well isn't to uh, we all, we're all experts on stuff right Well, but I mean like say um, like do you know Fassbinder's films at all German director Alien Covenant <laughs> <laughs> I, I know of him, but I don't think I've seen you should, like, you should watch. You should really watch um, Fear Eats the Soul by him. You okay. I think you'd both completely love it. It's like a. I mean, it's kind of like. You know, like Harold and Maud? Yes, yeah. So it's like a love story, like a really peculiar love story between um, an old German woman and an Algerian man, and, and they're kind of ostracized by the com community for this. But it's just, there's something hysterical about the film. But it's also really, you know, sincere and it's, it's just brilliant. I don't know, you know, you see, and I think he like shot it in like 
12 days or something while he was waiting to make something else. It's a bit like one car why making Chunking Express when he was going to make Fallen Angels, I think. Right. He just kind of, he had a hold up in production and he just got on with it and did it. But, you know, um, there's a Korean director I love called um, Hong Sang-soo, whose films I think are brilliant. And they're kind of a bit like uh, there's an, there's a French filmmaker Eric Roma whose films I love, but that's kind of what I grew up watching. Like, what my did mom, Eric Roma direct? Well, his most famous film is um, called Claire's Knee. I mean, they're really they're they're like the opposite of what I do, but it's kind of like what I when I grew up, my 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 mum was kind of um, where did you grow up in London? Whereabouts? I my dad was in Shepherd's Bush and my mum was in Chelsea. And my mum used to take me to the cinema all the time to go and see foreign films. She was she was quite sort of anti-American and sort of... I mean, not, not like, you know, like mm. it was a, her agenda, but mm. she was just sort of... I think <coughs> she wasn't... There's a bigger world out there. Yeah, I think she just sort of felt like anything that was sort of French or whatever, that that was just somehow sort of had more value. It was yeah. as simple as that. And so that's kind of what I would always go and see. And what, I, and I, and so I, which cinemas did she take you to? Uh, well, it was—it's the one that was is now called the Chelsea Cinema. I can't remember what it was called then, but it's on the King's Road. It was pretty much that one. There was like mm-hmm. one, like it had one screen, and it would show a new film every two weeks or whatever. So I just go and see whatever came out then. But um, but uh, you know, it was like in my—I suppose in my twenties or something—and watching like Dumb and Dumber when that came out, and I remember just thinking it was just so like I went with my sister and her boyfriend, and I just thought it was so stupid and I really hated it and I thought I was kind of above it yeah Mm -hmm. and then just something shifted within me I don't know and then I just you know started to really enjoy like not taking myself so seriously you know so you thought Dumb and Dumber was stupid and now I but now you can but now I make stuff that's more stupid sure well but it's different different kind of stupid it is different kind of stupid yeah I don't know I never I think maybe I understand that kind of just... The, I mean, actually, what it was was going to see... There's something about Mary in the cinema with my mate, who he's also a filmmaker, and he makes, like, serious films, and we both probably took ourselves quite seriously. We were living together at the time, and, and we just wanted to go and see a film, and, and we saw that was on. I think we both went along thinking, like, mm, that's going to be really stupid, we won't enjoy it, and then we just fucking pissed ourselves laughing, and that's mm. kind of like something that breaks you down. And, yeah. 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 So, whether it's that film or something else, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have I you seen Green Book? Yeah, because that's a fucking massive shift from a director to go from something about yeah. Mary to Green Book. Yeah, that's quite strange, though, isn't it? I didn't yeah. know anything about it when I went to I went to see it with um with a director of photography uh, who I've worked with in I was in LA and saw it in the Academy's theatre and then it was there was a Q&A with all of them afterwards like v- Viggo Mortensen whatever it was like and I, and I just thought I was going to go and so I didn't know what the hell it was and it was like god it's quite a big thing but it was just after he'd had some controversy about using the n-word oh who had Viggo Mortensen you, do you not know when about did that? he use that I think about two days earlier it was there during was the pr- during the promotional campaign there's for a this loads film. of controversy about Green Book where um yeah about rewriting the well, about the family being something. completely angry about the film, it being kind of like um, uh, uh, Oscar Baity kind of like, oh, the Academy are mainly white, so it makes them feel good to sort of nominate that sort of film. And also, uh, is it Peter Farrelly or Bobby Farrelly? It's Peter Farrelly. Peter. Everyone's got an anecdote about 
Well, I don't know. Is this? Is this <laughs> I don't know. Is this libelous? I don't think it's libelous. My, my friend was telling me about this thing that she read, where every, it comes up in every interview that uh, everyone's got an anecdote about Peter Farrelly getting his dick out. We'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. It's <laughs> no, but they're just like going, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, he just got his dick out. And, uh, yeah, everyone's, con- I don't know. But m- my friend told me this, so maybe I, yeah. Uh... This feels like I'm cutting it off, but we've got to do a game. Oh, fuck. Uh, I've got a game to play, I'm afraid. Okay. In fact, we don't have to do the game. <coughs> yes, oh, no, we do. What are you fucking game. talking about? All right. This just because he's directed. Game, just because he directed the Greasy Strangler, you treat him like everyone else now. <laughs> <laughs> so this is called Better or Worse and you have to say whether the next person is better or worse than the person before and am I being serious or not yeah but it's based entirely on my own opinion so, my opinion right? my opinion oh right okay so you can only guess so starting off with Vincent Price is Sir Ian McKellen better or worse than Vincent Price worse worse. Worse. worse he is worse is Jerry Halliwell better or worse worse she is worse than who Ian McKellen Ian McKellen it does, it, does, it does matter, Jim. There's a fucking right. leaderboard here. Okay, all right. Is, uh, is Brad Pitt better or worse than Jerry Halliwell? Uh, uh, better. Oh, that's pretty difficult, isn't it? I think it is. They're both low cards, but yeah, I would say it's sort of he's really better. Hard. Uh, better. It's kind of like diarrhea and. Look on. <laughs> is Annie Lennox better or worse than Brad Pitt? Better. 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 I'm going to say worse. What? Really? Are you yeah. fucking kidding? Yeah, come on. Are you fucking kidding? No more stranger. I love yous. No more I love yous. No more. Um, Chevy Chase is Chevy Chase better or worse than Annie Lennox worse yeah um, I'd say worse oh, I would worse. say worse but also when Chevy Chase is good he's very good I'm going to say better uh, Mel Brooks better or worse than Chevy Chase better better Ugh. is Lin-Manuel Miranda off of Hamilton I know nothing about <laughs> I mean, yeah. is he better or worse than Mel Brooks worse worse yeah is Joanna Lumley better or worse than Lin-Manuel Miranda better, better. reading an also cute yeah <laughs> is Viola Davis better or worse than Joanna Lumley mm. uh, they're both high cards they're both uh, yeah I've, I've only seen her in Widows she was in Widows wasn't mm. she I thought she was very good in she was yeah. very good in Widows um, uh, I would say probably Joanna Lumley's been a l- around a lot longer maybe we're getting a bit bored with Joanna Lumley mm. she's very nice though I think better. Yeah, probably better. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Her. That's it. Is it? Okay. That's the game. Well, I, I, I thought that was the most controversial of all of the better or worse, <laughs> to be fair. Uh, what has he scored? What has he scored? Seven. Seven. Oh, seven. You're in good company with seven. Yeah. Uh, you're up there with Hayley Campbell, Brett Goldstein, Charlie Higson, Matthew Holness, Laura Lexi and Smith, Josh Widdicombe and <laughs> Sean McLaughlin. You're not quite as good as John Niven, Sean Harris with the full ten, uh, Daniel Cook, Daniel Lawrence Taylor, Michael Legg, Solomon Gray with nine, Claudie Blakely, Jordan Brooks, Suze Kempner, Evelyn Mott, Paul F. Taylor, Rebecca Shorts, Mark Smith and Carl Leopold I've got with a lot eight. more competitive. Um, uh, but you are better than Drunk Women Solving Crime, Colin Holt, Andy Kindler, Merritt Larwood, Lucy Poor, Richard Sanding, Mark Simmons, David Trent with six, Yasmin Akram, Rob Deering with five, Jack Barry and Bunny Galore with four, and unbelievably, Sam Ashurst with three. Oh dear. So <laughs> we've come to the end of our, our come to cat. the end of our time with you. That hour went by very quick, didn't it? It is, yeah, very good. Very good. <laughs> so it's spat. I think I spat <laughs> over your tea, don't good. worry. I'd worry about that printout. Yeah. Okay. You got anything? Oh, uh, any, any, oh, the people that you're fans of are people that are more awkward than you, uh, people having <laughs> trouble walking in high heels, and people with a gap between their gap front teeth. Place, That's fan club. Bigger than that was Thank you very okay. much for joining us. Have you got any like last words? Like flea in the red, any red last hot words? chili. Like any last words? Really. All right, guys. All right. I'm trying to wrap the fucking <laughs> show up. We're trying to talk about flea.
You've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to FUBARradio.com.